for hey everybody welcome to the master movie podcast i am joined by alex and my cat thomas um i am alex yeah that's alex thomas is thomas i'm a cat (laughs) i'm a low english we'll get into it uh he's currently rubbing his face on the trash can all right that's what i do he rubs his face on everything and he's now he's now he's cleaning himself. Oh, right. he got that from me. I'm mm. Alex. <laughs> I bathe with my tongue. <laughs> so, not much happened this week, honestly. Oh, the other cat one in now? Great. So, not much happened this week. Um, yeah, it was pretty, like the Oscars came and went, and so movies just kind of slowed down. Um... Uh, there are, uh, Sonic is a hit. Sonic's a big hit. Sonic's a, uh, for this time of year, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it's the hit, it's the hit of, like, the January, February month, I would say. Yeah. And it was usually the slow period for movies outside of Oscars. I know Zach would be happy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm happy because I like Ben Schwartz and I hear Jim Carrey's very funny in it. Um, actually I've been watching Ben Schwartz's, a lot of, all, a lot of his publicity and he is just... Killing it. He's he's some him mm. along with the Marvel gang is some of my favorite interviews of just like watching people do stuff. He just he's great. Um uh and then Birds of Prey is like still number two or number three. Oh, it's number three right now next to Call of the Wild. Um which I do want to see. It seems like a solid dad movie if you can get past the animated dog. And <laughs> but it did I did see Stuckman's review of it. He mentioned a movie called Torgo that was on Disney Plus with um uh, Spider-Man and uh, Green Goblin. So um, I'm pretty interested to check that out with my dad. I think he would like that because I know he wants to see Call of the Wild. And then Birds of Prey is number three, and people were like, "Ah, oh, it's still bombing." But I'm like, "You're number three. Like, I, I really want to see January, it in January, February. Bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I really want to see it. Like, I, I've been seeing things of just like why it doesn't work as a movie, and I'm like, there's no one anything that is better than an okay movie is good for DC. Like, it's amazing that Shazam is as good as it is. It's amazing that Wonder Woman has so many good qualities um, going for it, despite that kind of, like, lackluster Zack Snyder ending. So I... I, And Aquaman is just dumb. It's so dumb, it's great. But all you have (laughs) to do is just make, like, a good, solid movie, and it'll work. And uh, Birds of Prey, I've heard from most people, is just a solid movie. So I, I don't... Anything that's better than bad is good for them. So, like, they're fine. This, this is a lull period for Marvel. So, like, take advantage of it. I may, I, I think it's going to do better on video than in theaters. But it does suck that, like, I, I it does kind of suck that the male-oriented bromance of Sonic is beating this kind of kick-ass sounding... To be fair, Birds of Prey wasn't doing as well as... Birds of Prey wasn't getting the like the nicest headlines even before Sonic came out. But that's well, it hasn't been getting the numbers. It's been getting that's, decent. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. They haven't been getting the numbers. Sorry. And fans seem to like it. The thing is, is like, uh, no one's going to it. Nobody wants to go to it, and it just kind of like sucks because it's more so about just like men not wanting to go to it. It seems like to me. Not, like the word of mouth is good, and the critics and the critical reception is good, and a dead period of movies. 
but I mean, more people want to go see Sonic, and it's like, well, oh, that sucks. And I don't think it's superhero fatigue. It really isn't because that's not really a superhero movie. Plus, that's it's just, just a, set. This is the really dumb concept movie. right now. Like, that's still just a dumb concept. Still, what of women getting together and kicking ass? No, oh, um, superhero fatigue. Um, n- I think anyone who wants to make that argument now will have the next couple years to form one because I think the ending of that phase with Endgame with Marvel really did close a chapter on a golden era of superhero filmmaking. It does, I'm not, I do agree with people who think that like phase three and where we are now is a solid era for like superhero movies, but, but I think that would close a chapter. So if yeah, people yeah. are done with that, then and they don't want to go forward with superhero movies or Marvel in general, just because that chapter's done for them, I can understand that. There's some people that I kind of feel that that's the route they're going. There's, there's a way that I kind of feel like that's the route they're going. And a lot of it has to do with, like, we haven't had one in a bit. And I and I did like I did like Spider-Man, and I am looking forward to Black Widow, so. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess nothing um trying to think okay let's let's double check i'm sure there's like maybe one one something or other that we missed or i don't know uh weinstein got charged with rape today yeah yeah, yeah. okay he did not get charged with the more egregious account that would have given him life in prison but he did get charged with rape and he still has more um cases to go through in LA so there's very good chance that he could double the uh, the prison sentence he has which looks like it's about 25 at most uh, mm. plus about 3-4 years with the, another um, conviction he got but that's just for New York it may get doubled but we're, we want life people want life mm-hmm. and he mm. kind of his way out a little bit Chris Pratt claims that Jurassic Park Jurassic World 3 is going to be like the Avengers Endgame of Jurassic Park <laughs> Well, I think I did. Okay, so I did read that, and it seems to be within the context uh, what was being said. My God, I'm, I'm start the movie as we do with every recording, and I just like got a good look at the TV on a good close up of that horse scene. So, <laughs> oh God. All right. Oh, uh, so, uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, yep. So, uh, it seems like within the context of that interview, what he's talking about is the end of whatever this. Jurassic thing is like it doesn't sound like they are going further than this movie, and I feel like that's what he's saying. I think he he's hmm. he's like, should I say? Who's been in it? Like it's like Endgame. It's like I feel like this is the end. This is what everything's leading to, and so we're trying to pull <laughs> off this kind of big end. I didn't know they were um, leading to anything. <laughs> Like if you look at all the movies, they're not entirely cohesive except the for the last main... Oh wait. Is, is did you hear that? What hear what? I thought I thought somebody else was coming in. Oh, oh no, it's my alarm. It was my alarm I set for twelve o'clock, but we started in. <laughs> uh ah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I thought it sounded like the exact same thing as somebody else popping in. And I thought maybe Zach was like, hey, guys, I said screw it and joined. Uh, um, I, it feels to me like they wanted to paint uh, 
a world where the dinosaurs lived with people and they wanted to like have that sort of thing that they were going to head to. Um, I, I mean, we've talked about what, what oh, yeah. their attempts to get to the dinosaur soldiers was going to be like. And I think that was going to be more than three movies, but the idea that they thought they could do it in three movies, was that there? I don't know. I think they, they, they like combined two movies worth of information with fallen kingdoms. So it, it just things really became very messy, but that movie's so dumb in like fun ways, and it also looks really good that I like it better than Lost World. I mean, with Jurassic World. Mm. So I, I was about to say <laughs> how they end it is the interesting thing. They have a whole movie where they could do a bunch of crap. It, like, is it years from now when like dinosaurs are like living in the San Francisco woods, like in um. Dawn of the Planet, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Like what? Like, there's so many things that they could do with it that could either be fun and interesting or just batshit insane. And I'm on board. <laughs> like, I'm on board <laughs> for like batshit insane. If everyone's coming back and they double down on the insanity, I am 110 percent in because, like, I feel like the only way to like capitalize on what that last movie was was if you're not getting the same director to get that look down then just barrel through with the insanity of it just just go for it like you've got one movie everyone's coming back dinosaurs are in the real world it's jurassic world now you've earned the name let's earn it like let's go for it so i i'm hoping i'm hoping we get to see just some crazy stuff um but i think what he's talking about is that they're done i don't think they have more than one in them because i don't think the studio probably has faith in this anymore as they probably shouldn't. Um, well, studio, most studios are getting scared because, like, Terminator failed. So many things failed last year that nobody saw no. coming. So, like, theaters are getting interesting now because you can't make stuff like that anymore just because of IP. So, I'm intrigued. My cat just jumped on my lap. He almost fell, and he grabbed with his nails and scratched up my right thigh. Now he's going to be firmly planted. I was say, it sounded like you crossed your legs and squished your, your testicles or something. <laughs> that, something happened. It almost, it almost <laughs> ended much differently. This is my other cat, Chico. Jesus, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the first I've heard about all of these cats. Tom, Chico, one. the man. Um, yeah. Just mentioned two. <laughs> it's, just it, it's just it's just the two it's just the two. this other cat chico he's gonna and be this the bathroom uh, he's been in the bathroom for days <laughs> i think charlie yeah he's chico chico's my cat and thomas is technically my mom's cat but we're all on the same roof and they're interchangeable so yeah, that's my baby. Cat So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, I was going to double check here, make sure. Um, ben Affleck is on the upswing. He came, like, he did an op-ed. I did, I missed it. I read a little bit. I read, I read it. Sounds like he's doing okay now. That's good. To, that's good to hear. Um, or unless it's yeah, the opposite. It, it, it sounds like when he got the Batman job, 
he was uh he was was on the brink of like a lot of things and he it could either turn into a downswing or an upswing for him depending on how things went and things did not go well which I don't blame him for I'm a big proponent of Snyder being the problem of the DCU and Ben Affleck was a good Batman choice um and could have made a good Batman movie um but after Justice as Justice League was happening it sounds like he was drinking pretty bad pretty heavily mm-hmm. and uh once he had once he had a whole movie on his shoulders to direct write and star and his friend was like uh you're gonna drink yourself to death and he was like uh you're probably right so after his movie they live by night did not do well he went down a real bad swing then he cleaned himself up hasn't been in much outside of that netflix movie and his new movie coming out is basically it's all about a guy who drinks drank too much, lost a bunch of stuff, and is now building himself up just with the help of a black, uh, you know, young black, black basketball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's hardball, but serious. Mm. I think it's going to be good. Um, I like Affleck. I think he makes good movies. But, um, uh, yeah, I wish he, I wish he could have stuck it out for Batman. I think he would have been a good Batman. I feel bad. Yeah. Um, other than that, it looks like that's pretty much it. Yeah, he's got a good, it sounds like him and Damon, um, have a really interesting movie coming this Christmas that they both write and star in. So I'm interested. Okay. So before we get to the, (laughs) the quote unquote main event, um, I'm going to bring some. I want to bring something up to you. It's about Parasite, right? Mm-hmm. So, I was talking with um, a mentor of mine at church. They saw it. I was shocked that they saw it. It was like, mm-hmm. like Knives Out seems like the kind of movie they would watch. I was like, we saw Parasite. Like, why? Um, best Picture winner. Best Picture winner. Yeah, that's. That's the thing. They, that's that's the thing about the Oscars is if if you win, people will see your movie, and that's that's the thing. It's not so much about clout and winning; it's about when you win or when you get nominated. More people will see your stuff. We probably they, we wouldn't have. They didn't like it. As you can imagine, um, so I was like, okay, I'm not surprised, and I'm gonna, but I'm gonna hear them out. And this isn't going to affect my viewing of it at all. I was actually sort of kind of defending it. They spoiled it a little bit. But, um... Just, yeah, tell me what you know and I'll dance around what I can. So... I luckily didn't know anything about it when I watched it. And the surprises hit me. There was, like, there was like one thing that somebody told me that it kind of ruined one little aspect of a surprise and I was but it didn't ruin what the surprise was it just ruined that a surprise was coming once I heard this one line I was like oh, okay get ready something crazy is about to happen and then something crazy happened and I was like oh oh god I don't care anymore that's nuts um, so yeah I think it's best to know as little as possible so they thought that the moral like basis of it was not really good 
something about like misrepresenting like classes. Like I know um I've seen Snowpiercer, so I know Bong Joon Ho is kind of like is is um what's the word? He's uh prone to, to like attack that subject and something about poor people being misrepresented as just like mean like beggars and like rich people being oblivious to some kind of thing that happens and like it left them feeling like well it paints a really like heroin it paints like a weird picture of like the opposite like um it sound it sounded like what happened to me was they paint they painted the some group of poor people as like disgusting like vermin of society and the rich people were just like oblivious to all the issues and i'm like okay yeah that's the that's literally the point of the movie that's what i was that's what i was okay that's what was my argument i was like maybe it's reverse psychology whereas that's exactly maybe it was like this okay so like person is the most important thing and i'm saying this because i missed it too when i watched it i watched it and i was like no yeah that's what happens because it is what happens like that that is the point of calling them parasite the point he says it after the movie i looked it up he's like the whole point is is this is this is a true thing and it's more prominent in south korea than it is in america but classism is everywhere it's just so much bigger in south korea than it is in america so there's there's certainly an aspect of it that we as Americans, including this person who has watched it, anyone anyone who's American doesn't live in South Korea, are not going to understand how diff how big the differences between classes are there. It's worse here, but our country is bigger and more varied. But for them, it's just as bad, and it's actually really bad right now because the virus has reached them. So it's going to get real bad. Um, uh, but what Bong Joon Ho said is that. He looked into this story as best he could. He's been that person. He tutored a rich family before. That's how he earned money. Uh, but basically, he said that the only way for people of those different classes in his country to ever meet would be if someone poor worked for somebody rich. And that's the point of that parasitic relationship. The only way that that, that, that relationship will ever, like, ever really work is that one of them will become a parasite of the other. That's just the way it is. That's the whole point of rich and poor. Right. Like they're and they're not poor people and rich people when the movie starts. They're people. Both of the families are. They are normal everyday people. Like the movie starts with the I guess aka poor family just trying to steal Wi-Fi through their house. Something everyone does. But they're also really good as a family trying to figure it out. Like they're smart. They're smart people. They're just not in a position to ever escape where they're from. And the amount of dignity they lose throughout the film is the point. It isn't that they are poor. Look at what poor people do. Rich people are rich. Look what they ignore. No, the whole point is that they were all people at one point. But because of the differences in class, they now think a certain way. They feel a certain way. They do things. That's the point of the movie 
It's not that the, look at what the poor people do and the rich people. It's that look what happens to these people when you separate them between rich and poor. When you say these people are poor, when you say that uh, like the rich people are normal people, but then they start just talking about how the people who work for him. They start talking about how there's the smell about them, the smell of the people on the subway. I don't ride the subway anymore, but there's that smell about it. And you're like, God, just that way that they talk about people that are less than them. And then in the process, the people that are poor start treating people that they consider less than them, less than them to just be in their own idea of rich. So it's, yes, that, that is what that person saw for sure. That is what the story is. But the story also makes it very clear that both families were people before they ran into the tragic journey of most people in classism. Like, it's just the way it is. The, like, if you and I ever went to a million, like, $5 million house and saw, like, this, like, apparently there was a trash can in the movie that cost over $20,000 and the director was like, I don't, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to pay, like, I don't even want to break this thing. And it's because technology in there is so crazy and people are spending money on it. Like, it's the same thing here. There's no way on God's green earth that you and I wouldn't go to Jeff Bezos' house and we would, our jaws wouldn't drop on the floor and we would not be jealous. It's just the way it is. That's, that's what happens through, it's an institution and it's been here forever ever since that's why jesus came in and like threw everything up in the table uh, or in the temple he was like throwing all, all the tables around he's like this class inequality is insane why do you have this stuff at my temple we you're using your money the wrong way what are you doing like th this has been around forever people fight have been fighting this fight forever because this is what happens the people with money and the people who don't have money after a while they're going to separate themselves because the the rich people just you know they want to be clean and like there, there's oh my god, the the whole smell thing in the movie. That's actually something that a South Korean president did. She admitted, and they and people found out like there was a recording or something like that where she like admitted that she doesn't like to touch uh, people that she thinks are poor because of the smell of them. And it's like that thing is prominent in South Korea. So that's another thing. This person is watching it from an American point of view without actually understanding how this film actually relates to South Korea. And maybe that's the point of Americans not wanting to have an American film be for, like they don't want to think about this stuff. But right after this movie, one, one of my favorite podcasts that's been going through the American Film Institute movies, all 100 of them and breaking them down episode by episode, hour long, like two and a half, two, like hour and a half to two hour long episodes. They did an hour and a half on um, Parasite and they pointed out things that I never would have known about. And they went into depth about South Korea, about the director, about the actual division of class in that country country how how divided it actually is how separate people actually feel and without going too much into it yeah people lose their soul at the end of that movie going for something that they don't really understand but they're still human like the, if the person who watched this walked away with that idea i get it but they also walked away with the whole point in general which is it's dehumanizing for both it dehumanizes both groups All the rich, the poor, and the people that the poor have to climb over. Like, the movie opens with a person like, in the city peeing on the steps next to the house of the poor family. And they're just, like, they're just, like, they hate it. They're like, oh, so look at this guy. Get out of here, you filthy scum. And it's like, there will always be someone lesser than you when money is the thing that drives a society. It's 
it's there. Like these, these are all things that took me time to get through. So I'm not going to sit here and say that you're uh, the person, you know, would have gotten them faster or slower than me. But what I am saying is that, yeah, no, no, that's there, but that's the point. Yeah. So my thing was not knowing anything. I was like, okay, this has to be okay. A that sounds right off the bat, like a surface level read. And two, that can't be the point. Like, like that can't be. It can't be all to it. Like, there's got to be. Um, like that's that's there for a reason, you know. Um, w- without going too much into um what happens, what I will say, um, the director said that there are no heroes and there are no villains in this story. It's just a tragic comedy of people put in positions and what those positions uh, get out of them on a psychological and emotional and physical level. Just this is what happens if you push the idea of classism to such an extreme. It's just, it's totally possible to a certain extent. Well, there are also like really visual things within the story that highlight why it's called Parasite. But um, the human aspect is the thing that people that don't really think about that going in. They think immediately, here's a rich family, here's a poor family. So it's about the rich and the poor. And it's like, well, no, they were people before they became those things. So, you know, look for the humanity in the characters first. And you're going to walk away understanding that not everybody is a bad person, despite some people doing bad things. Maybe they had a good reason. Maybe they, Maybe in their mind, the reason was good. Maybe they come to some kind of resolution, but at the end of the day, the consequences of their actions are still going to come. Like that, it's just it, 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 you. Uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. I can't talk, but I will say that um, one of the things that I kept that I didn't think about when I was watching it was the humanity of the characters. I thought they were like very relatable on both ends because I've I've have family that are very well off and very rich, and I have family that are very poor. And I'm, I would consider my immediate family middle class. So I've seen um, a lot of both sides of this. And I related to a lot of both of the families, especially having been poor in some positions on my own right. So I, there were things that I related to. And when they kept pushing their extremes, you, I, I, there isn't a point ever where you're like, these people are dumb and they're ignorant. They are very smart. They're very capable. But they feel like they have to do this stuff because society can't offer them anything else. And that is certainly more evident as the movie goes on. That just this is their position. That regardless of the things they are doing, they feel that they are the immediate things they need to do to be in a better position in life. That is what classism does. So, yeah, they're doing parasitic things. And, yeah, it sucks that the rich aren't actually paying attention to the fact that they're going through these things but and they're ignorant to those facts but also it's a con family and they're really good at conning people that's the other thing they may be ignorant and stupid but that that's the point their ignorant and stupidity is based in their contentment the contentment of them sitting in their home and you know enjoying a rainstorm while maybe that weather is causing problems in another part of the village where it's wreaking havoc on a neighborhood that they don't care about they don't care they could use their money to help other people, but they don't. They get $1,000 trash cans. And that, you can't 
get angry at that. You can, I mean, you can't not get angry at that. That's the point. That's the point of the movie. You walk into a rich person's house, you see how much money they spent on that can that you could have used to give Jesse, our friend, better insulin in this country. How does that not piss you off? That's the point of the movie. You immediately become a parasite on that because you feel like you have the right to because why? what the hell are they doing with their money? And in their mind, they earned their money. Like they have the money to spend on a $1,000 whatchamacallit. It's fun. They have the money. Why not? They're not thinking in terms of other people anymore. It, this is all I like. All of this is stuff that I'm still thinking about having watched that movie. And like, I get it, man. It was the best picture of this year. Like, it's it's a really smart movie. It's it's not entirely gorgeous and beautiful like 1917 is. It isn't um, soaked in what movies are like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, it, it is it, of its own thing that is very much about what people are talking about now from another country with universal ideas that relate to us in this country for sure. But um, yeah, it's a surface level read, but also it's a, it, it's a it's a deep movie. It's the kind of movie that you want to talk about later with other people. It's the kind of movie you want to do research on because you will benefit from it immensely um, in the process. I, I, I could not wrap my head fully around it when I first saw it. And then I started reading up and like doing some things and doing more research on where he came from and what is going on in South Korea. And I was like, oh, okay, I gotcha. Like, I'm just out of my element. On top of like, one of the really interesting things is when you watch that movie, Chris, notice how many times people are divided by actual physical visual lines. I've seen a YouTube video now of someone actually highlighting them and i'm like oh my god they were everywhere but like when you're watching it look at how many times people are separated by visual lines within the frame just to pinpoint that like they may be in the same room together but they're not the same they may be ha having a conversation about food and about what their lives are like but they're not the same they will never be the same they will never be on equal ground money will always separate them and one one side of that group of people will always be more pissed about that than the other side 110%. That's why it's called Parasite. Because this is what it does to people. Not that this is what people are. Look what happens. This is, this is what this does to people. And we can stop it. We really can. Yeah, I figured there was more to it. I figured there was more to it than that. So, uh, But it is, I can see how someone could watch that and be like, oh, they're making poor people look like they're doing this. And it's like, no. This is what desperate nature is. And if you don't know that, then that's because you've been very lucky not to have experienced it. This is what happens when de this is it's one of the best quotes of Inglorious Bastards. Um, someone's like, you, will ne you would be amazed at the depths of, um, the, you will be amazed by the lengths that people will go when they lose their dignity. It's just, just crazy. And it's right. It's like when Jews are running for their lives, they will hide in attics and hide under houses for years to survive. They've lost all dignity just to survive. Mm. People, may, people may look at that and be like, look, look at that disgusting parasite. Look at the disgusting, gross person. And it's like, no, that person has lived a life more than you ever will. Judge a rabbit. <laughs> Um, 
Uh, but no, that's a very that's a very interesting um, take uh, on the movie. I could see how someone can have that because it's not it's not a straightforward movie. It's um, it's intricate, and the people are people. Like no, there's shades of gray everywhere. There are no like there are no specific good or bad people in that movie. So it's easy to walk away and be like, nobody was painted well in that movie. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. Um, so I would just tell them like, read up on it. Okay. Seriously, okay. yeah, no, 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 no. I was just thinking about. I was thinking about later. Um, speaking of a movie, you should never really think about. Uh, we may be on different sides about this. No, I think we're on the same side here. I guess we'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, much to my delight, last time we recorded, the wheel selected. <laughs> Freddie got fingered. <laughs> super happy. I was super happy. I threw my headset down, was yelling in victory, and ran out of my room right across the all across the apartment. I'm assuming your cats were amazed. Yes. Hence why they're with me now to keep me grounded. Um and so to space out time for my day today, I watched the first 20 minutes during my lunch break at work. <laughs> after That's work. Not safe for work. That is not safe for work. No, I watched it in my car in the parking lot. Oh, okay. Good. That's also weird sounding, but it's also safer. Well, that's where I take my lunches anyway. Um... And then I watched the rest when I got home. This is pure, unadulterated, unchecked, unfiltered, cinematic anarchy. <laughs> um, I, I, I have never... It's- Never, ever in my life have I seen a movie like just I don't think I've seen a movie that was intentionally trying to be bad like this movie does. Um, Because let's not kid ourselves. They were not trying to make a good movie here. Um, No, don't you say it. Don't you? Don't um, they were not trying. Listen, um, in Plan Nine, in Plan Nine, they were trying. In the room, they were trying. This movie, there is no effort. Um, I disagree. The, okay, listen. The, okay, I disagree. They. I think there's actually. Fo- I think there's tr- a lot of so they. They tried. Okay. Somebody. Stop me. (laughs) We should watch the mask. Um. Somebody. Okay. Let me back up. Let me back up. (laughs) Because all you hear is stop me. Uh, I can make a fair argument for this, but I gotta go. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. Um, Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Let me back. Let me back up. 
I'm going to check in. The basic premise of this movie is a guy wants is, is it wants to be an animator but it's not a real job to his uh parents uh-huh. and so he is struggling to um please his parents by getting a job and making money but he wants to do what he wants to do and that and then a whole bunch of shenanigans if that is such a tame word um happens <laughs> that is very tame and that's that's the ba- that's ba- that's the bare bones premise yeah that they tried to that they tried to tell i believe they succeed at it uh, uh, i've got my, <laughs> my kids is it really that effective, given the, the given just the sheer intensity of this movie's chaos? Like, come on now. Your phone. Oh, never mind. There you are. <laughs> you went silent for a bit. I got scared. <laughs> I know. Um. Uh, yes, I am of the ilk that believes this is a, um, at the very least that this is meant to be a satire of the movies of the time. And, um, while also pushing the extreme, um, of it to 11, like he, I, he has admitted that this was, that's too low. No, no, it's a spinal tap reference. It's a, it's a spinal tap reference. Okay. Um, from there's a movie called Spinal Tap. It's very funny. It's a it's a mockumentary about following a fake metal band in the late '70s. Okay. And there's this scene where one of the guys is talking to the documentary filmmaker. He's like, "This is my speaker. I had it customly made. You know how all speakers go up to ten, and tens are hot. So you can go on a speaker with this one. I made I made him add an extra bit. If I want to go a little bit more, I'll just take this one to eleven. And the guy goes, "Well, why don't you just make ten the highest, and then just go to 10? And then the other guy just stares at the speaker for a while and he goes, yeah, but this one goes to 11. <laughs> wonderful, movie, wonderful movie. Please, we'll, I, I will get you into the Christopher Guest movies, but that is, that's the point. Like, if you want to, that extra little bit is what takes it that extra mile. Like, um, this movie is extreme violence and extreme racism and just, oh, and yeah. just, seething cursing just the mean-spirited nature of this is what turns it to 11 and i think that's also what makes it memorable uh it's that uncomfortable uncomfortable, uh aspect of it that just he said it himself in in an interview a few years ago he's like i made it so that i wanted 50 percent of people to absolutely hate it there's no other way they either hate it or they love it and they get it He's like, we wrote this script when we found out they wanted us to make a movie. We shopped it around. We knew what it was. It was an idea. It was specific. This wasn't stuff we made up on the day. We knew what we were trying to get into. So, like, there have been, there's been two school of thoughts on this movie. A, that it's just like, it was havoc that was wreaking on set. And Tom Green, as the writer, director, and star, just kind of did whatever the hell he wanted. And then there's this other school of thought of people. I'm kind of of that school of thought that believe that this is an intentional satire of movies of the time 
and just an extreme version of it. Just absurdist comedy that would honestly be what like comedy of the absurd would be for the next few years. Like without this, without this style of comedy, not necessarily this movie, you wouldn't have things like MacGruber and like half of the Adult Swim catalog, like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Twelve Ounce Mouse, like Zebras of America looks like that, and it acts like that. Like this movie nails it, but at the time. People just didn't know what to do with it because of the extreme violence and gore, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and I will give them that. But I, uh, and then there's a group of people who think this is like an, like an art masterpiece, which I don't. I think this is very I mean, simply structured. Narrative, I mean, the narrative is here. And uh... I, I, I don't think that... I think you can say that the fact that he goes to the extreme levels that he does with the gore and the violence to be an artistic choice... But earnestly, I think he's just taking what movies were at the time and dialing it to 11. So let me ask you, Chris, have you seen Billy Madison? I'm just going to list off some movies and I want to see if you've seen them or not. That's a Sandler movie, right? It is, yeah. Oh, okay, it is. Why am I thinking of Happy Gilmore? It's not that. No, I haven't. Just well, say no. Happy Gilmore in there too, but more specifically, Billy Madison is probably closer reference to this. But they're both like any Sandler movie from the '90s. Really, I could name three. I could name four that fit this same realm. There's The Jerk. There's um, uh, uh, Hot Rod. Have you seen any, Have you seen those two movies? Mm, wait, what was the first one? Uh, the Jerk. That sounds familiar, but no. Hot Rod? Uh, I can't... Okay. That's, the Hot Rod's making me think of Roddy Roddy Piper, but it's not that. No. Um, okay. Uh, Wait, what was it? Oh, sorry, say that again. Dumb and Dumber? Dumb and Dumber? Yes, I have seen Dumb and Dumber. Okay, Kingpin? Kingpin? No. Uh, something about Mary? God, that uh, these sounds okay. I've heard of them, and I feel like there's something memorable about it, but I can't put a finger on it, so just put it as a no. Um, probably the most memorable thing about that movie is the guy jerks off. Okay. Oh, the hair gel. <laughs> God damn it. I don't know why that is. Can you hear me? Okay. So it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was it was really funny. So you just said you, you cut off at um, the what most memorable thing. You said the most memorable thing about that movie is somebody jerked off. You went silent after you yes. said jerked okay. off. You went quiet. <laughs> yes. You went quiet, right? <laughs> I don't know and why, but my phone... No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. This is funny. <laughs> this is funny. You cut, off, you cut off at jerked off. Silence for about five seconds. Then you came back, and the first, and the first thing I heard was hair gel. I'm like... Jerked off with hair gel? Okay. That was what okay. I heard. That was... Oh, okay. I got like, you. I'm, I got you. I'm okay. going to laugh about it in the for in like 10 seconds because I'm slowly okay. reacting to stuff. Well, the funny, the funny thing is, is like just how old this movie is for me, because I remember when it came out, it's like over 20 years old, but like 
A guy jerks off before a first date. He can't find the cum after he's done. He opens the door because she's knocked on the door right at that moment. And she sees that his cum is on his ear and goes, oh, is that hair gel? I could use some. And she puts it in her hair. And then it smash cuts to their date. And her hair, like, her bangs are, like, stuck up. They're, like, stuck way up because it wasn't hair gel. It was cum. And she has this goofy hair. And it became a big thing. Like, Something About Mary is a classic comedy, but it's gross and it's disgusting. And it matches its gross behavior with sentimentality. So, for example, that movie starts with the first 20 minutes of that movie starts with the major conflict being someone locked, like someone has locked themselves in the bathroom because they've zipped their testicles into their pants and they can't get them out. And you care about why this is happening. You care about the person it's happening to. And you like, it's very funny. And it's very like, there's a moment where you see it in there and you're like, Oh, that's gross. But they don't show the moment where they get him out of the pants which he eventually has to go to the hospital for. They don't show them ripping the zipper down and like you get to see gross stuff. This movie shows you the gross stuff. This movie takes it that step further. So there, all the movies I mentioned to you, Chris, that you haven't seen are all reference points for the 90s at that time. They're all movies about man-children who like won't grow up and just want their, want their fathers to be proud of them. And this isn't a new story. This is literally the story of the first movie with sound. The jazz singer from 1927 is the story of like a Jewish guy whose rabbi father doesn't want his son to be a lounge entertainer. And then his, his son has to earn the respect of the father. It's a story that's been going on for years. But the idea of a man child who will do whatever he wants and is just crazy and stupid and funny to us, the audience, just wanting the respect of his father, that's Billy Madison Little Nicky, Hot Rod. That's a that's fucking Iron Man too. That's not new. That that shit's around, man. It's everywhere. What you described is the thing he's making fun of, because back then, just like have movies where it would just be a guy who's like good at something, but he would also run around and be stupid and weird, and people would just have to take it because it's Will Ferrell or Jim Carrey or Dana Carvey or Mike Myers. And we think it's funny because it's cool. And like we're watching it from an outside perspective, but in real life, nobody would really deal with this person. No one would really take this person. Exactly. Like that doesn't mean that those comedies aren't good, but it does mean that at that time he was getting sick and tired of that. So when he and his longtime friend that he had worked with for years said we they're going to give us money to make a movie they wanted to make a movie let's make the something that's weirder than what's out there so they took the structure that people were very well known or or were so used to at that time and then they just flipped it on its head and they made it completely absurd like you look at the ending and how crazy it is with his dad but then his dad's like how'd you pay for all this he's like i got a job doing what i love and he's like well now i'm proud of you son that's that's fucking insane that's insane, but it's also <laughs> what happens in Billy Madison. Like, Billy Madison is a story about a stupid, rich, drunk man-child chasing penguins and, like, being an absolute just douchebag to everybody who goes back to elementary school to earn the, like, money, respect, and inheritance of his father. It's hilarious, and I love it. I think it's the best of the Adam Sandler, like, early absurd comedies. But, like, it's, it's no different than this. The, the difference is this movie goes the extra mile. Instead of showing like um, somebody on the side constantly getting hurt, a side character just for fun, they actually show like how crazy that is. 
So in Wayne's world, Wayne has an ex who's stalking him throughout the movie. And every time she shows up and stalks him, she like hurts herself. She falls off a bike or hits a car or like she, every time you see her next time, she's got a neck brace or something. And it's funny and it's, it's funny and stupid, but also you have to keep in mind, this woman's constantly going to the hospital. Like the movie is constantly just literally beating the crap out of this woman. So when you see this little kid for the first time run up to the car and like smash his face and blood's all over it and the main character doesn't care, that is a statement about how that just keeps happening in movies then. And he's like, well, hell, then I'm just going to do it. I'm going to push it to as far as I can. And either you like that and you get that because you're laughing at the absurdity of that being in a movie or you're like, that's disgusting and that's uncomfortable. And I don't want to see like a father pick teeth out of his kid's face. So the, the, he literally made it on both ends of the spectrum. He's like, either you get the absurdity of these kinds of movies and why they're so popular and what would really happen if a psychotic person was running around doing this crap and people just were cool with it. Like, he licks his friend's compound fracture. What the hell? <laughs> his friend's cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it <laughs> oh, my God. It, uh, when you say it and you talk about it and it's like so crazy, but like there are other things about it. Yeah. I, I, uh, at the end of the day, I think he's intentionally poking fun at those films in a pretty, uh, in a pretty intelligent way. I think the film follows that structure competently. I think like the movie is really dumb at the beginning. And then uh, Anthony Michael Hall shows up and he's like, see all this stuff. It's kind of funny, but there's no focus. You need direction. And then the movie starts to actually like make decisions and pay off what he says and scenes start to like add up. The only thing in this movie that doesn't add up is sadly the thing it's like titled after. And that is the whole like he gets his father and mother separated and his little brother thrown into a thing because he claims his dad's a child molester. Oh. And he his brother. <laughs> Dude, you like, got to let me talk about this. That, to me, honestly seems like there was more to that, and they cut it out because this is a 90-minute movie, and Tom Green has admitted that there's a director's cut that could be made. So my guess is that was just such sketchy stuff that the studio was like, no. And they cut out most of it. The problem is that's like what the movie's called, and it has barely any like real emotional consequence on later what happens in the movie. Everything else, though, is competent. Everything else is like pretty structured pretty well. Anyway, I think this is uh, not – I don't think this is anarchy. I think it was controlled anarchy that um, honestly makes sense these days and probably didn't then. I'm somewhere in the middle <laughs> Okay. of going with it and like, um, like accepting it and being disgusted by it. Yeah. Because, like, in the first 20 minutes, I I pretty much died, like, six or seven times. Um, I think it's funny. And it was just so... The, 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 um, the term that I keep... When every time I think about this movie, that keeps coming up to me is sensory overload. Where I was just not prepared... For what happens in this movie. I don't know what I could have showed you or told you about that could have prepared you for this. When you brought it to the table, man, I was like, all right, man, you want to go zero to 60. Let's do it. But okay. And we did. 
Like this is this is a legit shocking movie. Uh, it is meant to shock. That is the point. So <laughs> when you when you're like, I don't know about a Tarantino movie. I don't know if I'm gonna those characters. No, I mean like, there's no like nothing, no, nothing here. Like no, like, like Gordy. I think I'm okay I, I, now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like, thank you. Uh, I I Gordy is a terrible person, terrible person. There's Absolutely. no redeeming quality. His father's a terrible person. There's no redeeming quality. Um, the only the one person I think comes off really well is the girlfriend, and. Yep. Uh, the Maybe. more the more I think about her, the more um, I actually really liked her, and I thought that she had a lot of like agency. And I gotta say, like I watched this and I was like, holy crap! And then I knew things existed about it. There's the Red Letter Media re-review about it, where they they both bring to the table. One of them brings to the table that it's just like a happy accident, how good it is, and the other guy's like, no, this was an intentional choice to do things this way. I think it's genius. I think it's intentional but i also think that there's some novice things about it from like a first-time director you get like there's some camera placements there's some movements there's like odd lighting there's odd compositions things you like odd audio just things you wouldn't you wouldn't really do there are better ways you could have shot it and made it look but he just didn't know how to do it uh and some people believe that he was like deliberately trying to tank his movie but i i caught i caught this one video it was like an hour and a half long and i'm about halfway through it i don't know if i'm going to finish it because i agree with everything the guy is saying and i've seen and i see a lot of it too but he's like legit breaking it down and he started pointing out things that i never would have noticed like he's an insane crazy character until he goes to her place and like he wants to do things normal and it, he it points out the fact that when he goes to drew barrymore and he tries to hit on her in an unconventional way and in a weird way. That was Drew Barrymore. Okay. I'm going to get into Tom Green, dude. You don't even know. Um, so uh, um, that that fails. And so when he goes to the next girl, he legit is like, I don't want to be forward. And he's very, like, he does lie to her still about him having a fancy job and being rich. So as to manipulate her in some way. But when he goes to see her, he's also not trying to be a weirdo. He's doing everything in his power to do what he thinks is what you're supposed to do. So she's right off the bat, like, cane me. I, I like weird stuff. Do something Do something weird with me. I'm going to admit who I am. I like rockets. I want my wheelchair to go fast. I want to, you know, suck you off. Like, I'm, I'm sexually confident. I'm all these weird <laughs> I don't need to be. I, I mean, it's funny, like, uh, but she's like, I don't need you to be a nice guy. I don't need you to be a societal clone. I need you to be weird with me right now. Let's just be weird. And he's like, I know, aren't we supposed to go on first dates? Aren't we kind of supposed to do this? And that's in his performance. He, it is an intentional choice to make that character decision and put him through that arc. And she is an intentional character that is specifically, like, she changes him. She's like, when she bails him out of jail, she just goes and does her own thing. The next time we, don't see, the next time we see her, it's not like she's waiting for him to go on a date or she's there to console him or anything. She's building her wheelchair. And he just rolls up and she's like, oh, hey, Gordy. There's no, like, where have you been? There's no, she's not inherent to what he's doing. She's got her own life. And she inspires him on her own time. Like, she doesn't even know that she does it. She's just doing her own thing. Like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I mean, she was a pretty good character in terms of how they structure her to be an example of how women like that are treated in these movies while still having more agency than he does, period. So I, like, I, I, 
I honestly believe that this movie is making intentional choices to make fun of movies of that time while also pushing Tom Green's sense of humor, which you never knew about. But people had an idea of what he was like and what they were going to somewhat get themselves into, except the people who gave him the money in the first place, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now noticing, like, it's, there was an intention here to be a satire. There was an intention here to use his sense to both alienate as well as say something about popular movies at the time. Um, like for me, it's just, I I just like like I said, I fall in the middle. I'm just like, okay, there's a story being told here. You like, laid it out at the very beginning. That is that is a story. What you don't understand is how often that story has been told within the realm of like gross out weird comedies about. But here's men. the thing. But here's the thing. Everywhere. I had, I had low expectations for obvious reasons, and, oh god, just he, it told a story is what I'm saying. Like I was not like expecting that it just felt like and at times it just felt like it was going from bit to bit to bit to bit instead of like Uh, it's doing both yeah um well okay i just gotta talk through the things that happen in this movie (laughs) go ahead because that's where i'm getting like, that's what I keep thinking about. Even as you're, like, explaining the movie to me, all I can think about is just what happens in this movie. And just I can't wrap my brain around that. Yeah, it's not like I'm walking away from this movie being like, the story is great. You're supposed to walk away f- with the shocking elements. But what I will, like, yes, it's a story and it is told competently. But what I'm saying is that, yeah, any idiot can do that. Any idiot can do that. The whole point is that idiots were doing that, and they were getting millions of dollars for it. What he, I fourteen million dollars. But I, I honestly think that this movie is saying something about the story it's telling, about how stupid they are, about how complacent and easy they are. I honestly think that that's that here. However, I do also think that it's also just a series of random events that happen. It's having its cake and eating it too. That's, that's... the alienating part. He's trying to have both, and I think he succeeds to a certain extent while also not succeeding because it's not an attempt to get everyone. It's an attempt to get people like me who watches a bunch of movies like these and is all the time like, yeah, that wouldn't happen in real life, but who cares? It's funny. I like these people. They're funny. And as I'm watching it now, I'm liking the idea of what he's trying to say, which is that these movies, after you watch them a bunch in a row, they're pretty stupid. They're not challenging. They're not weird. I want them to be weirder. And this is this guy's idea of weird. And I've got to be honest, I think it's a little loud and mean-spirited and annoying at times. And I wouldn't watch this movie that often. This is like maybe <laughs> once every year, two years, something like that. Um, but I do think it's up there. I do think it's better than people gave it credit at the time. I do think the resurgence is earned. I do think it's a decent comedy that's saying something um, about comedies of its period. And the fact that you don't know a lot of the movies that I listed, man, like those movies go in crazy, crazy places that are just as gross 
and just as weird, but people accepted them because they didn't show the blood and they didn't show the gore and they didn't make give a realistic turn to the actual events that are happening in the films that just like write them off so that things are like better. And this movie's like, no, if you had a lead character like that in a movie, he would be a psychotic man child wrecking the lives of everyone. And you would be afraid if he was in a room with a pregnant woman, you'd be scared. Like that's the point. And I, I love that. I love it. I absolutely love it. Mm. See now, for me, for me, I don't like. <laughs> I'm. I think this is this is where we defer. I don't. I. I honestly just cannot see any of that. Like, it just. Like I understand, there's a story being told, and it's told, but at the same time, to. At the same time, it's just <laughs> badness. Yes, like. But like- it's madness like yes i know he like no i know he that he like he's making fun of these comedies and like satire but at one like i feel like this movie just goes so far to do that well he goes i don't think it goes goes, i think it goes too far well, I think it goes too far in its gore and its violence and its humor, but I don't no, think it's just period. I don't think it goes too far to satire these movies. In fact, I don't uh, think it goes far. Oh, think, Chris, every, oh, the entire point okay, that I'm listen, making. I get it. I haven't seen these. I know, but just still. But that's the that's the point. Like I I I grew up at. I need to explain this guy a little bit where I'm coming from because I was here. I was there for the Grise. Uh, for the rise and fall of Tom Green. I understood everything that came before him and what he produced afterwards. We wouldn't have Jackass. We wouldn't have Billy on the Street. We wouldn't have a lot of the great interviewers that we have nowadays. There's a lot of things that Tom Green did that became popular after he did it. But the thing is, yes, watching those movies is absolutely inherent to understanding why this movie is the way it is. That's why he made it. He was sick of those movies. He was sick of watching those comedies. And in the year 2001, he decided to do something about it. But now, it's 20 years later, we're totally far away from those comedies, and you don't even watch those comedies in the first place. You have I watched Dumb reference. and Dumber and I liked it. Get out of here. But you haven't watched the real gross movies. You haven't, dude, you haven't seen something about Mary, which is probably the most famous 90s gross comedy of all time. American Pie. Have you seen American Pie where the guy fucks a pie? They made like six oh, of those movies. Oh, God. That's my point. Like, the you need to understand <laughs> the reference to truly... You need to understand the reference of what it's satiring to truly okay. understand why this thing is in any way competent. I'm not saying good, but just competent. If you don't watch it, then you're just like, this is a stupid comedy of a guy being loud and annoying and weird and taking it too far. But yes! For me, it's like, yes! For me, it's like, dude, <laughs> this is Billy Madison, Hot Rod, all these other movies, but just like taken to an extreme. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that he put this crazy psycho stuff in a movie because the, it proves that these other guys never had the balls to do it. And I love that. Like, I love the fact that it exists. It doesn't make it good or bad, but I love that it exists. And I love the fact that all of it is with the focus 
of saying that those movies don't take it far enough. And if you don't understand who Tom Green was before he made this movie, then you'd never understand why that movie had any sort of possibility of being famous. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it again. First, I got... I keep getting sidetracked. Stuff happens in this movie. Okay. Absolutely. Can we just talk about that for a second? Just for one second. Absolutely. Get it off your chest. Go? Okay. So, this guy. Right. Um... He is an animator, and he go and he, he, he making drawings, and he wants to sell his ideas. So he goes to Hollywood in his dad's car, and he barges into this animation studio, just walks right past security, doesn't do anything, because apparently he's from, if I understand this correctly, he... Claims that he is from an, an another animation company called Japan Four. No. No. Of course, he's, that wasn't what I meant. He's just saying Dang random it. stuff. He's just saying random stuff. It's I I have seen this in movies before where like a guy will walk in and like try to be charming and say some funny stuff and the security guard will let him go through because he's a charming funny dude. Chevy Chase would do it all the time in the movie Fletch, and that's what he's doing. He's like just saying gibberish and like. Doing what he thinks is of a, a, like he's just making fun of that idea. Anyway, he just barges into the he, bar, he barges into this studio, and he's just like, "Where's Mr. Davidson? Where's Mr. Davidson?" And he's like, and then they're like, "Who is? Who are you?" He's like, "I got to tell him that his daughter is dead." <laughs> his wife? No, his wife. His wife. Uh, yeah. And course. fools um, Drew Barrymore and gives she gives him the address. Then he blows the secret. <laughs> and then they have an argument. Then he uh, walks out. Then he goes to the restaurant where the guy, where Mr. Davidson is dressed as a British Bobby. And yeah. Where he got the costume, don't ask. Don't ask me. Um, and he tries to sell his idea. And the guy just craps all over it. And he... The, so, uh, Mr. Davidson tells uh, Gord that if you... <laughs> to get inside the animal, the animals, because they're, they're, man, they're centaurs, right? At this point. Uh, yeah. So then he pulls over the side of the road as he's driving home. Oh, yeah. By the way, when he, on his way to Los Angeles, he came to a full stop, watched farmers as they were. I don't know what they were doing to this horse. So he goes, but he didn't like it. So he goes over to the, so he goes over to the horse and he grabs its wang. And... <laughs> He's just like, oh, I'm a farmer. Just randomly. Just randomly. And then he runs off, goes back into his car and drives off. So as he's driving back from the studio, he pulls over, cuts roadkill deer, like, open, and then wears it and is just 
acting. Um, <laughs> he's acting. He's giving a performance in this uh, in this uh, roadkill deer, and got inside the animal. He gets hit by a yeah. He got inside the animal. He gets hit by a semi and is perfectly fine. He just gets up. He's like, oh, I needed that. Gets back into his car, drives back home, and just that sequence alone, it's like, um, Dan Olson when he was uh, talking about cats in his video, cats, an existential crisis. He, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, paraphrase uh, what he said. Um, everybody who sees, like. Basically, what he said about cats was everybody who sees it will have their moment of absolute, like, like an out-of-body experience, like the like the prophets of old catching a glimpse of the true face of God. And for me, it was the moment where this over-the-top crazy guy goes to therapy with his parents. And accuses his dad <laughs> yeah. of molesting his younger brother, whom he also doesn't like. That Shut being Gord. Molester. <laughs> yeah. Gord does not like Freddy. And he's doing this over-the-top performance, throws a bust out the window, and jumps out. Yep. And the therapist is going along with Gord. He's yeah. taking Gord's side. Dude, listen to the victims. That was when I was like, like, <laughs> that's where I lost it. I mean, it's like, this movie is so nuts. And then, and then, and then, he gets. So eventually we get the payoff. He sells his ideas because his dad has lost everything to him because he got drunk to like um, pulled down his pants and told him to like to bang him because he told him to, he told his dad to F you. He told his dad, he told his dad F you. Try to explain this is so funny to me. And he's of course Rip Torn, rest in peace, is drunk. And he's just like, like he's dancing. He's like, after me, after me. And his wife walks down and he's just watching him do this. And then she <laughs> drops the tea and just walks out. And so basically the point is he's lost everything as Gord just got a check for a million dollars because he barged into his, Mr. Davidson's office again in L.A., and went after uh, Gord. So then he, so then Gord gets the million dollars for his idea, and his idea is like what an Adult Swim cartoon is like an Adult Swim cartoon, essentially. Really? And, and so after he like gets a chopper and meets and uh, reconciles with Betty. He spends the rest of his billion dollars rigging his dad's house 
knock, okay, knocking him out with a tranquilizer in the middle of the night in a yeah, cat yeah. <laughs> suit and uh, night vision goggles. He knocks him out for God knows how long. And, <laughs> and <laughs> he cuts out a portion of the house. He opens the door. And it's up. It's suspended up in the air on a pillar. And all of a sudden, they're in Pakistan. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> that's where all I paused the movie and was just crying for five minutes. <laughs> and, and so, because that was the last thing I expected. And so then that results in a chase that leads Gordy to an elephant. And he, <laughs> this was the grossest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And so pretty he, gross. pretty gross. So he, he whacks it off, and he, it just sprays ejaculate into into his dad. Greatest moment of my life. <laughs> and then they finally reconcile, reconcile right there. And oh my god, I'm gonna play this at your funeral. <laughs> my favorite bit about him sneaking into his parents house in the night vision goggles is that he uses a glass cutter to cut the window and then he just drops it on the ground and breaks the glass anyway <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a solid so um and then i i just was just thinking about this the part in the scuba gear too <laughs> yeah like that like this movie like oh, this movie's just okay to an unknowing, uneducated person. Yes, yes. This movie is pure chaos. Agreed, absolutely. Without any reference point to what he's trying to do, yeah, it comes across as just insanity, absolute insanity. Ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes for sure, Makes but sense. like. For yeah, for for like an unknown, unknowing person, absolutely. Like not understanding what he's trying to do for sure. Like the fact that people didn't get it at the time where these movies were popular tells you how people didn't get it. But like over time, no, it's perfectly. It's pretty clear that when he's talking about the the money, the million dollars with the guy, he's like, you know, the jewels. I spent it on the jewels and the helicopter and like. I, the rest for this house in Pakistan thing, you know, a million dollars, easy come, easy go. Like he's talking about some idiot who gave them money to make this movie. Like that's, he gets it. He's like, I'm, this is ridiculous. I'm insane. Why would you give me the money to do this? And it's because he was an extremely popular comedian at the time. And they thought they, his script could work and they let him do it. Like he, he, they wrote the script. It wasn't something they made up on set. They wrote it. They they offered this to people. They shopped it around. This was the thing. <laughs> so they knew what they were doing. It just took it just took a few years before people got it. It took it took a it took people to be out of the context to be like, yeah, we love Billy Madison, but some of them are really like we love Adam Sandler, but some of those movies are really stupid and really repetitive and like just kind of bland and boring. And if anything, I love that this exists. 
I love that. I love that this exists because I would rather have something that is just insane that I can visit every now and then and be like, Oh my God, that did happen. Or that is, that is just bad. Like, why is that in a movie? That's crazy. As opposed to watching like a boring Tom Green movie, like stealing Harvard. And like, even, even Roger Ebert said it, Roger Ebert gave this a classic zero out of zero out of five stars. He wrote, he railed this movie. And then Stealing Harvard came out with Tom Green, which is just a normal like heist movie with him and Jason Lee trying to steal money to pay for, um, I think, a daughter's education. Um, and he's just the normal funny sidekick in it, just a normal actor. Uh, and even Roger Ebert was like, you know what? I At least Freddie got fingered. I remember that. I'm never going to remember this in a week. And that was the point. Like he wanted, he wanted to highlight how like people were getting sick of this stuff. It's like if someone made a really Someone made a legitimate, shocking, upsetting, violent, gross, disgusting Judd Apatow movie. And it was just a bunch of funny people standing around improvising lines and then something horrifically gross and disgusting and violent would happen. Like, it's like that. It, it just would make more sense to someone like me or you because we understand the reference point of Knocked Up and 40-Year-Old Virgin and all that stuff. It's... <sighs> But it's like, no, from your perspective, and here's the thing, I didn't really get this when it came out either. And I understood who Tom Green was. I watched his rise. I was a Tom Green fan in a way. And I remember when it came out and I was like, nope, not for me. This looks annoying and stupid. And then I watched like half of it one day and I was like, yeah, this is kind of weird. This is crazy. And then watching it now and then watching all these different people's perspective from it. And then just watching one guy just break down the movie. He's like, I'm not even a film critic, man, but I'm just going to break down this movie for what it is. And the more he like broke down what it was, I was like, no, yeah, there's intention behind this. And then I started watching interviews with Tom Green and Tom Green was like, no, like we wrote the script. We shopped it around. Like we were being, we were being specifically polarizing. We wanted to turn half of our audience away so that we could find that magical other half that likes crazy messed up stuff that wants something more than little Nikki that wants something more than say it isn't so that wants something more than American reunion. Like I, I just, I don't want my movies to be gross ish. I want them to be gross. If you're going to be gross, gross me out. Let's do this. They, they, they wanted weird and stuff like that existed, but just hadn't existed in the nineties version yet. And I think this movie nailed it. Uh, but I also think <laughs> a lot of problems with it, like the whole Freddy got fingered storyline in general is bad. You can tell they, <laughs> chunk of that out. they took that out. I would love this movie so much more. It would be shorter and it'd be better if they, if like, yeah, if they fleshed it out more, made it two hours, then fine. At least it would make sense a little bit more. 50 more minutes to explain what happens with Freddie and the family. I'm cool with, but outside of that, this movie ends with them coming back from Pakistan heroes like the mom's been having sex with Shaq, and these guys like formed a bond friendship that shocked and- me that they got Shaquille O'Neal for this movie that's amazing well Tom Green man so okay so that, here's the here's the story behind Tom Green oh boy all right so uh in 1999 I would have been about like 14 so this guy is from Canada that he started raising- lot, actually <laughs> Uh, he's, I think this, the thing about Canadians, some Canadians, at least like they just have this sixth sense of twisted humor, you know, eh? Um, (laughs) but he, uh, came, 
he he came from radio where him and his friend Glenn started a program where they would like interact with the listeners and do calls and like make fun of people and just you know it was it was kind of victim based but also just he he were he crowd he did crowd work basically and it was funny uh, and then basically he moved on to public access television and built up a, a huge following in Ottawa by 1999 that MTV came knocking on his door. There was nothing like this. There's stuff like this all the time now, but there was nothing like it then. So he came out and his whole routine was to prank his friends and to prank his parents in really weird, gross ways. He humps a dead moose. He sucks on a cow's uh, udder. He just, you know, does disgusting stuff. (laughs) Like he did in the bloopers. Yeah, um, he made um, an entire video and song about um, his butt called the Bum Bum Song and poop coming out of it. It was very childlike. Oh, I forgot about the sausage song. uh, The sausage song. That was truly just. Phallic? Wow. Very phallic. Uh, So he, by the year 2000, he's a hit on MTV. He's a big, like, he's a big deal. Um, he is dating Drew Barrymore by that point already, um, I think, for a couple years. So um, they were going strong. He uh, gets testicular cancer Ooh. and has to go through surgery. In fact, the surgery that um, Freddie is watching is the surgery that he had to get his lift notes removed. Oh. He, he made it. He, <laughs> He made an entire comedy special. Uh, He made an entire comedy special on MTV about how um, he had cancer and the whole story behind it. So there's a whole Drew Barrymore's in it. You watch him go through surgery. You watch him come out. It's actually pretty sincere. Um, By that point, celebrities were visiting him uh, and and doing interviews with him. Like people were on his show all the time. Uh, But at that point, after the cancer, he took a break from MTV. And he decided to just, like, get his uh, health back. In that time, he started doing guest spots in movies. And he did, um, he became uh, even bigger and more famous by doing a small bit in the movie Road Trip, which was made by Todd Phillips. Um, He ended up in the Charlie's Angels movie, playing Drew Barrymore's girlfriend. uh, uh, Boyfriend, I'm sorry. (laughs) Drew Barrymore's boyfriend. Uh, He is... Um, I can't recall the fourth one outside of this. This is the big one that he did in 2001. Uh, and then he would start to try and get into mainstream comedies uh, with Stealing Harvard and a few other things. He ended in like 2003 is when his rise is when his fall pretty much happened. No one really cared about Tom Green anymore. He tried to have the show come back on MTV in 2003 and actually critics liked it. By that point, he was like, a decent interviewer and he like actually wanted to make a late night show that was less um, chaotic and a little bit more focused on like him being an interviewer and crowd work as well. But that failed. And he ended up doing uh, a lot of Jay Leno for a while and doing basically man on the street bits for a long time. He did stand up for a bit and then he formed his own podcast and live interview show that he filmed in his living room once a week and he has done that for pretty much all of the last decade and he's gotten 
wrestlers on. He's gotten musicians on. He's gotten celebrities on, comedians on, tons of comedians. He's actually become a pretty well-respected interviewer now. Um, he was on Larry King, I think, a year ago when somebody else was guest hosting, and he was just talking about what his life is like now. Like He stands by the work in the past, and he respects Freddie Got Finger and what he tried to do and likes that people like it now, but he's just not that person anymore. Um, so he's just like more matured and way more Canadian now. It's just super funny. <laughs> uh, but he, he basically had a really meteor high and then a meteor fall. But like right after he happened, jackass happened. And a lot of his do-it-yourself attitude really inspired MTV to be like, well, we can trust these like jackass guys. And that started like bringing more and more people like him out. And yeah, I got to be honest, watching Freddie Got Fingered now, a lot of what his sense of humor was at the time, which was very acoustic and making people feel uncomfortable and being weird in real life to like get the insanity out of people, that, that sense of humor would really carry on to stuff like Adult Swim. And like the Lonely Island crew would be nothing if not without the sense of comedy. Like he just, I won't say that he was necessarily ahead of his time, he was just the first one through the wall and got pretty bloody through the process. And uh, went too far. <laughs> he went too far. And I think he'll admit that too. But at the same time, other people have been, um, have been able to use his style and his sense to more effect and to be more like less victim based and less acoustic and less uh, mean spirited and more inclusive and just weird still like he he was a he was a it he was a um pioneer of absurd a popularist absurdist comedy so, which would come to bound like five ten years later so what you're saying is he was the eric andre of his time he, he the, yes, um, Andy Kaufman was before him. I think Andy Kaufman's probably the best reference before him, then Tom Green, then Eric Andre. Yes, the, the Eric Andre show is basically a Freddie Got Fingered version of the Tom Green show. Tom Green show was a real show where he put real people on and he legitimately tried to like make a show that was just weird with real life in it. But Eric Andre actually has editing and has characters and has a sense and a style to it. That's way more like what Freddy Got Fingered is. And way more like Sharpened, for sure. Yeah. And that's... That's pretty interesting. Like... It's like... It kind of sounds like the equivalent to like if they... Decided that they wanted to give... PewDiePie $14 million to make a movie. And... Um, and then they did that, and it was exactly what, like, it's basically his videos, but, like, 90 minutes long. Or just, like, his skits or his spiel. Or, like, you could, like, or pretty much you could do it with any popular YouTube now. I know Markiplier is getting into acting. Like, so it's kind of like... Go ahead. So it's kind of like, um... Actually, kind of a like a little of what YouTube was doing for a little while with YouTube Originals, um, like giving the popular channels like PewDiePie and Game Theory and Slow Mo Guys. And yeah, there's a there was a I believe one of the Pauls made a remake of the movie Airplane, uh, um, 
And oh, God. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, and it would be like if that, if like 10 years down the line, someone was like, no, that's a pretty good dissection of spoof movies at a time where people were desperately like not needing spoof movies. So it was a pretty good time to be ironic about spoof movies. <laughs> it would be like if they really focused on that idea and honed it down, but then also made it a really bad, absurdist, cheap YouTube movie. So uh, I, there is there is some success here. They accomplished their goal, but they also like they took it really far. And you have to have to, you have to be in the right mindset and have the right taste. To be able to get past a kid like smashing his face against that. That to me is the moment. Like I understood when he grabbed the like it should be when he jerks off the horse. That should be the <laughs> moment where for everyone in the movie, like when he says get get the fuck out of my way to the old lady and drives off, that's like basically at that point it's a comedy. It's like a normal comedy that turns into a road trip. And then <laughs> and then yeah, he sees a horse and he jerks it off. That should be the moment where you're like, what? Especially since they never reference it and they never go back to it until the end of the movie. But, yeah, like, he jerks off a horse. But I understood that because I know Tom Green well enough growing up to know that he likes to fuck around with animals. Like, it's just his thing. (laughs) So I'm like, I get that about Tom Green. That's in my nostalgia, whatever. But once he starts driving home after the whole deer thing, because I'd seen a clip of the deer thing, too, the kid thing. When the kid runs up to his car, smashes his face, and they pull it away and his like nose is bleeding and there's blood everywhere. And he and Tom Green just stares at him. Something in me snapped. I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. About that. Look, do we, he licks his friend's compound crap. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> That's crazy gross. That's super gross. Dude, also, I lost I love, it right there in the car. I must have looked so stupid. Just like <laughs> I was just like, it's so the so he, the dude wipes out. He just the same agonizing eighty yard in scream that he emanates, and then the, <laughs> you look at his leg, and so it was just chaotic. Like Rip Torn comes out, and he's just like. Oh God! He's like he he tells him get him a job. He's like no no you get a job get him an ambulance. He actually has a real job. And then just randomly he cuts away and he's licking the freaking compound pressure. And Rip Torn is just swatting. I'm like what the hell are you doing? And I'm just crying. I couldn't breathe at that point. It was just. <laughs> I'm not in the hospital and he's like the baby comes out for the first time and he's like leaning back and the umbilical cord is like, he's just, it's a bungee thing. And he's just like pulling from her insides. It's even, even Harlan Williams, the guy with the broken leg is like turning away. Cause it's so gross to look at. It's so gross to look at. I love it. It's the <laughs> best. And then he chewed it off and started swinging it around to wake it up. It's getting it's blood just, everywhere. I loved it. Like an Indian and Indian women are in the same room chanting with their tambourines. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. I you don't you don't put that in movies. You don't. But like, it's perfect. It's perfect. I <laughs> I love. It. I don't want to watch it for a long time. But I, <laughs> like something like this would not yeah. get greenlit today. Uh, no, because ha- because like 
the mean-spirited craziness and the loudness and the screaming of who he was, that was in that was who he was. That made him popular for two years ahead of time. Like he that was his shtick. People were used to it. People liked it at the time. And there was this is like pre-9-11 too, so uh there was Oh, this, this is before 9-11. Oh just I mean what made him popular in the first place. The, this kind of mean spirited attitude. I everything you see about him that's like yelly and just like all over the place and repeating himself and repeating himself. Like all of that was who he was already. And people accepted it. I accepted it. I thought he was punk. I thought like, Oh, this guy's great. I was 14. What the fuck did I know? <laughs> now I'm like, and as a 14 year old, I'm like, this movie looks stupid. As an adult, I'm like, I've seen enough movies to understand that this is bored of nineties comedies. And it wants to turn them up a notch and uh, it turned them too, a notch. too high. I know. Like, so this is the thing, like Tom Green, this is his sense of humor. That's the point. Like nobody has a sense of humor like him and not at that age anymore. So like he, that, that age of Tom Green, who didn't give a fuck about anybody made this movie. And like, it's evident his idea of up a notch is our idea of you need to calm the fuck down, dude. Period. <laughs> so like, that's just the way it is. And I, I really appreciate it now. I don't know if I would have wanted like, like three or four more movies like this, but maybe one, maybe two, maybe two movies like this would be cool. Maybe one more, but like, I appreciate that this exists, especially when like, I do love a lot of those gross out nineties comedies. And I do love a lot of movies where like this man, child baby is just trying to be creative. And his dad is like, get a job. Like I've, I've watched a lot of those movies and like the really interesting ones are the ones that like do something with like the style or the actors or the, like the comedy more so than that story. That story is repetitive and it has beats that you can follow very easily, like an action movie or a Marvel movie so that you're there for the comedy and the people and all that stuff. Like this was his Tom green movie and it was a Tom green movie for sure. Um, <laughs> 110 percent so uh, yeah <laughs> okay so i'm sensing a little bit of role reversal because like remember um um revenge of the fallen the second transformers movie that i can't remember what names go to what but it's um it was the one where he freaked out in college and he yeah. went, and uh, Sam Wicky went uh, crazy in college. Um, so like, we need you, Sam. He's like, no, I'm in college. Matrix of, Le- Matrix of Leadership, that one. <sighs> yeah. So, I love that movie for all the wrong reasons. Uh-huh. You guys hated it. Now, I did not, like, hate this movie. I actually felt like, I like... To me, because I don't have the context of its satirical 90s, like, comedy. For me, this was pure, unadulterated chaos, Mm -hmm. and I needed that. Mm -hmm. Just to see just this, all this, like, bizarre, like, borderline meaningless... Freak show. Just, like, freak show, Yes. Yeah, and 
I got you. I was just like, I did not hate a minute of this. Mm-hmm. I was just freaked out by it and just sense like like sensory overload, like I said. And um but I still like even if it's supposed to be like satirical to me it was just to me not n- without a lot of the context of it's what it's set it was supposed to satire well, it's just pure like it's to me it's just pure just chaos and well, for, well, I'm first here of for all, it <laughs> if, you, if you laughed if you laughed then I I laughed too there are genuine moments of laughter for me um, I do think it's a funny movie. Um, and, and when I say that, when I say that context, it's just to talk about how like it is a, it is a movie with direction. It has focus. It is an anarchy. That's it. Like I understand how it comes across as anarchy for sure. But like, I only mean that in the, th- like it, it, it's basically a structured narrative. Sure. A story that goes beginning to middle and end. But everything. I would argue there's no middle, but okay, never mind. Go uh, ahead. I, I, you, I mean, I would say the middle is the romance. Uh, okay. Of him sure. the, like, because like after after the, he like fails from Hollywood and comes back and all that stuff, that's when he meets her and she drives the plot, and then she goes away for most of the third act uh, to do her own thing, which I love. But uh, this has a this has a beginning, middle, end where he like learns something and then like achieves something it's all for stupid means and stupid reasons but he does do it but it's not and and the thing is that's not the biggest like thickest plot in the first place that's why you can make as many movies about that in general that's why the jazz singer exists like it's a very simple story it's like not a long movie (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. uh, it's got way more songs in it than people remember um uh, so it's nothing special to, to its story, and that means all of the jokes, all the bits, all the skits, all the silliness and the absurdity. That's what you're supposed to take away. Do I think that this movie is smart on that level? Yes, I think that's why it's lasted as long as it has. I think the, that focus and direction is why people are walking away going, "This was actually a well done movie to a certain aspect, a, a certain extent." But the content of the comedy is a whole nother, it's a horse of a different color. Absolutely. It's meant to be absurdist. The cuts are meant to be weird. It's meant to not make any sense at all. But also it makes sense. But it's, it, you don't have to get that second part. And for a long time, it took me, I had to like watch other people's turns and see other people's perspectives before I got that viewpoint. When I walked away, I was like, no, I really liked it. It made sense to me. I saw the narrative for sure, but like, it, the content is so in your face, crazy bananas, bonkers that it's wonderful. It really is wonderful. Like sometimes you just need absolute bad shit insanity. You just need it. Um, and I like this kind of stuff, even when it's taken way more seriously, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, and things that I would never suggest to you, um, that are just really dark and nihilistic and really just kind of paint people in terrible lights. This is just meant to, assault comedies this is just this isn't attacking society this isn't attacking anyone in this this is not life. that complicated <laughs> no it, 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 if you dig these kind of comedies we're gonna take it too far and we're gonna make fun of them so strap yourself in 
Like, that's all it is. Like, if you just walked in and they were like, here, here's a crazy bonkers movie, that's what you got. But, like, for people like me who watch a lot of movies or grew up in that era, they're going to be like, hey, if you like these kind of movies and you know what they are, this is going to be, you know, this is going to have a little tongue-in-cheek for you. It's also going to be batshit bananas bonkers. So here you go. Uh, it's just an extra layer. That's all. It doesn't have to be anything else because, yeah, no, he wears deer skin. Like, he, he chews an umbilical cord off. Then he wears it later. In the middle of a date, <laughs> and then she's like, "What's that?" And he's like, "It's my umbilical cord. I put it on for fun. I did it for fun." And she's like, "I'll work around that." I'm like, "That's crazy. That's crazy." I didn't know what to do in that moment. I was like, "Oh my god, is that the, is that a deal breaker? That's a deal breaker, right?" And she's I like, think... "I've worked past it." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that goatee's working, dude." I think that was the moment that broke me, not the There's... moment that like absolutely just flattened me that's like that's the moment that should have just like (laughs) that should have just blown my mind pardon the expression Um, it flattened you there's a moment that blew you away there's a moment that boggled your mind there's a moment that shocked you (laughs) there's a moment where i had an out-of-body experience (laughs) just um the the whole point of like Betty escalated. It's like, okay, straight to the blowjob on the first date. And he's just like, no, 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 let's take it this normal. And then, and then <laughs> the umbilical cord comes out. <laughs> and then um, the umbilical cord comes out. And then he finally just has that, uh, that, um, that, bl- that, uh, like that blissful face as he's being blown. And then it, pans over to a panorama of the Eiffel Tower being built. Yep. Which is actually, honest to God, really clever. It's very it's very north by northwest, yeah. That I thought that was pretty funny. On like as a legitimately good joke. Um I, things in here that I like too, like when they go to the creepy when they go to the creepy children's what is it? The Children's Hospital of Sexually Assault. It's the hospital for sexually that assaulted. That was so uh, sad. Like that would not fly today. No, especially when the story doesn't go anywhere. Um, but like the kid running through the hallway, past the door, through a room filled with kids, like having a like a, basically a pillow prison breakout. It's great for a pillow prison fight. Uh, and then she just runs to this couch where these kids are watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Is awesome. I loved it. This movie visually looked like it looked like there was like some serious production value put behind it. Yeah, I think that's why the dollars. That's yeah. Yeah, like I was actually like during the whole skateboarding sequence, I'm like, this actually looks pretty good. Ah, yeah, yeah. He's a skater. You want to show him? I yeah, I I was like. Wait, that's actually him. Like, uh, mostly was it was it mostly him? Oh yeah, he was a skater for sure. It was all him. Good God, I was like, huh? Uh, skating was a thing in the nineties. Skaties was yeah, a, I I can imagine big thing in the nineties. Uh, so yeah, like he had a lot. It, there's a high production value, but I don't think the movie looks great. I think a lot of it. I think a lot of the camera placement's pretty bad. You can see shadows, times the cameras just. This 
visually actually sorry this oh, go ahead. visually actually reminded me of Ready to Rumble to a certain extent. But um, Ready to Rumble looked better than this. Ready to Rumble looked looked better than this. Yes, I think it had better establishing shots. I think it had better sets. Um, and for some reason, it understood it understood how to use framing for jokes better. There's not a lot of framing jokes in this movie. But, like, there is a moment in Ready to Rumble where they're having an entire conversation and you see the shit pumping out the pipe like that. <laughs> it's specifically framed that way and meant to look a certain way and meant to evoke a certain feeling. Like, that. that's a visual joke within um, a heavy dialogue script. So I got to say, they planned what they were doing that a little bit. They also, like, have a truck crash, remember, at some point, and they lit the road pretty well. Like, they knew what they were doing there. In this movie, this, like, one neighborhood and a few houses, and a couple places in Hollywood, and that's it. Yeah, but that, even that much, what they did here actually kind of surprised me. It was like, I, like I said, I had low, expecta- low, low expectations. So on a technical level, I was kind of impressed, but I know there wasn't like, like, I know it was still subpar, but it was better than what I was expecting. No, I, I hear what you're saying. We've seen worse, and there's worse out yes. there for sure. There's for much sure. worse out there. This was like television show neighborhood sets and stuff like that, and it didn't right. it didn't look too bad. Uh, but yeah, no, there's worse out there for sure. See, that's the thinking you need to have. Gotcha. Yeah, that's how your F minuses are gonna rise. <laughs> you, you start to you look at shit like this, and you're like, oh, dude, at least it, at least it looks like a movie. Looks <laughs> exactly. Like- like, thank God, I'm not trying to squint to read. Like, thank God, I'm not like trying to like hear like bad sound. Like, no, like you you begin to really welcome that stuff. Really appreciate it. So, with <laughs> with all that in mind, and like. All that being said, and <laughs> I'm just anywhere, and I'm not gonna do it. I had too much fun. I'm not gonna give this movie. I'm not gonna give this movie any kind of F. I had too much fun. Good, good. I agree. I'm comfortable giving it. A C minus. Interesting. Nice. Uh, that's pretty generous for you. Um, Just I'm glad you like, enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad it didn't I turn you off. Fun. I had fun watching it. As gross as it is, because I was literally because like when the elephant ejaculation happened, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like seriously just like gagging like i was at the point of like okay that's actually legit gross i'm i was like laughing and trying not to puke at the same time is that literally i'm I'm going to the the elephant ejaculate show for sav later you want to go great band um ejaculate (laughs) metal okay guys um i don't okay like okay tangent so my buddy seth um, he's a 
He's into like EDM and uh, punk metal. He's a, he's a skater uh, okay. kind of guy. Shout out to you, Seth. Um, he's not listening to this. There's no way. Um, so I think it was Skyway Theater has a list of all these like niche bands. Uh huh. That oh yeah, Skyway for sure. Yeah. That uh, play, and there were a few band names that were just like completely just like out there. Like one of them was uh, Blunts and Blondes. Yep that that had me that actually had me going for a little bit. Um, There was one more. There was one more that caught my eye. And, um, shoot, what was it? Oh, God. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta. Yeah, I know know Skyway pretty well. My roommate would play there a lot. It was, like, one of just the funniest things. I got, like, I'm sorry, I gotta see if I can find it. It was just so... No worries, I'll just keep talking about Elephant Ejaculate. Really good polka metal. Um, there's a guy who wears uh, Lederhosen, as they say, and he just rocks out with like Metalocalypse type hair. He's got a zombie getup, but he's also doing the Lederhosen dance. There's a guy with the big uh, horn, and he uh, says Bricola a couple of times, but also he says Bricola Death, because so, it's metal. Um, <laughs> and uh, really, really, uh, really about socialism, so pretty awkward. Uh, most of the songs are about socialism, so um, if you're into that sort of thing, it's uh, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty crazy, uh, especially when they bring out uh, the giant worm that eats people from the audience. Uh, Gwar is totally going to sue them, but uh, it's a pretty good worm. I like it. Found it, guys. Okay, so. <laughs> Um, there is, so yeah, Blunts and Blondes. Yep. Um, let me see if I can look at this here. Not bad, too. I see. <laughs> I'm more generous with music than I am with movies. Mother Folk. I've heard that name. Cookie Monster. Yep. <laughs> that one. <laughs> That's a heck of a way to get out of copyright. Um, there's a yeah okay. Uh, bl- okay, this is the one. This is the kicker. This is the one that got me rolling. Black Tiger Sex Machine. Yeah, dude, Black Tiger Sex Machine for sure. Yeah, not bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you being sincere. Dude, I am like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not into that sort of thing normally, but like they're not bad for what they are. But then, see, I will not. I probably won't listen to because like like that kind of stuff isn't like my uh, isn't isn't really my jam. But well, like, I mean, it's, it's cool when you're there and you're like like sure. EDM is great when you're there and you can like feel the vibrations and stuff. But if you're at a house party and like a good EDM song comes on, then it's like fine. Which is why I don't listen to it on the reg. Like, my, my roommates do, like, because he DJs. And so I hear a lot of this stuff, and I, I know a lot of these names. But that they specifically are not bad for what they are. Again, like, just because okay. I don't listen to a lot, I do respect what they do for their genre. 
Okay. Yeah, the name is but weird. Like, I, I stopped losing. I stopped keeping track of band names a long time ago uh, when I got out of the record store biz. Man, like they, they took a turn for the crazy a long time ago. Yeah, these names are like just so funny to me. Just like, <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, my band specifically, EDM artists specifically, are hilarious names. Black Black Tiger Sex Machine. That was was pretty yeah, funny. Dude. Yeah, they're not bad. Yeah, a couple songs I like. Okay. Just the... Anyway, now tangent over. Um, genuine, genuine sincerity. So yeah, C minus. I had a good time, and but this movie is, to me, just balls to the wall, insane, and not something I will try to understand as I go on. But I'm sure the more movies I watch, I will accidentally just like mind meld with this Dude, movie. Yeah. There's nothing more shocking to me than understanding how like comprehensible Freddy Got Fingered is to me now. Like I for years I thought it was just oh that's that crazy movie Tom Green made. Now that I've gone back to it and know what it is, like I'm like oh wow okay no, it actually had a lot more focus and attention to it. Okay, but th- it is batshit bonkers for sure. I haven't seen anything like this ever. I don't think we ever will ever again. Uh, I, I, <laughs> instead of in, like in outside of like very niche like places, like I don't think let me, like let me just say this, Chris. The world of film is vast. It's and and Freddie got fingered is merely a teardrop within it. Um, this I was released a... by Twentieth Century Fox. Oh, that's yeah. the thing. Like they you will thought... never see something like this from a like. Like from a studio like that, like big budget. Well, they, he's they, here's the thing. Like they, studio. Disney bought it first. They bought it without reading it because Tom Green was popular. And oh then, my god! He tells the story. They bought it and they because they would bought it through Touchstone, and he was like, "Uh, well, here's the script." And they said, "Okay, well, you can't do this, 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 and this, but we like your movie." And he's like, "Well, that's a big chunk of the movie." And they're like, "Well, how about this, 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 and this?" And he's like. I want to keep this, this, and this. And they're like, we can't make this. Um, but we'll put it through turnaround for you. And we'll find somebody who does want to do it. And 20th Century Fox bought it. And they made a deal with him. And there was a guy who trusted Tom Green and was like, dude, do your thing. I trust you. And Tom Green did. And the thing is, it didn't work at the time. But over time, like you realize, oh, he took his idea seriously. He had an idea and he approached it appropriately. It, he just also filled it with that shit, Banana Brains, bonkers stuff. So. Um, Tom Green's sense of humor is unlike anybody else's, but he took his movie and what he was trying to say with it seriously. So you can comprehend this movie, but also you have to look past all the insanity of it. And you have to accept that the reason it's insane is because you're never going to see this in any other movie. That's why he put it in it. Like this, this isn't a movie because they don't put the, this shit in movies. So yes, also, I agree. nothing like it. Also, Rip Torn really tried. Like, he went for it, too. And that was everybody's great to see. Tries. I think everybody's like, funny. Um, I think everybody's funny in it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great it. So I've been thinking about this, too. Because it's not like... I don't think it's a massive achievement of art. I don't think there's, like, this. There's people well... that are, like... People out there, they're like, this is a doubtist <laughs> of absurdity and how art is trash, and this is how you prove that art is nothing. Because that's the whole point of doubtism. But, like, 
I don't think it's that. I think it's a guy that just like was sick of 90s comedies and wanted to, you know, in a kind of interesting way, attack them through his abrasive and obscene sense of comedy. Um, and that's all. Like, he just was... It's, it's just a really, really crazy person with a crazy sense of humor making a crazy uh, movie about how popular movies bore him. So, like, that's all it really... The, the, finding out that's all it really is kind of makes me... Um, effectively criticized uh, that the huge chunks of this are unneeded. You don't need the whole Freddy got finger bit, or at the very least you should have fleshed that out because you don't call your movie that if that's such a small part of the movie, because like it's always lingering in the back of my mind about it. And I don't think Freddy is like, I don't think he's meant to be a sympathetic character. I think he's just, he's meant to be a guy who gave in to society who decided not to be, interesting who whose way of trying to gain the same coddled relationship that fred that uh gordy has with his parents by doing exactly what his he thinks his parents want from their children he's living an independent life so that he can be coddled by his parents and ends up in a home where children are coddled all the time so it is kind of an appropriate ending for him but i do wish that was fleshed out more he's not an antagonist but he is the like nerdy dude who get like get who's just like too cool for the party who's just he's the guy who said who asked the teacher for homework right before the weekend you don't like that guy you're not supposed to he's not a bad guy but you're like just fuck that guy so that's kind of what his role is and like i get that but it takes a little bit out of it for a 90 for a 90 minute movie i kind of wish it was a little bit longer so they could have flushed that out because you call it freddie got fingered so it just feels like the relationship between him and his brother should be more important than the relationship between him and his father. Um, uh, I do think that it doesn't look great at times. I think the camera placement's weird at times. Um, I think he could do more with uh, other aspects like sound design and just how to move the camera. There's some stuff that's really fun looking, but also he, I don't think it was his intention to make this movie. I just don't think there was a director who really saw what his idea was. So him and his friend who had made a lot of his like shows before and public access stuff to help to make it. Uh, so it is 110% his vision, but he also doesn't really have much in the knowledge of the language of cinema. So like, he's not really trying and doing a lot of interesting stuff in terms of um, lighting, sound design or um, Maison scene, but his editing is pretty top notch. And he does get really insane stuff on camera. And he is, like, taking chances with his script. So the script and the editing are, are the things that I took away the most from it um, that really still highlight what he was trying to do. So instead of, like, just... I, I think this is above average because it actually achieves what it's trying to do. So I'm going to give it a B-. minus. B-, minus. Okay. It's a roundabout way of getting to it, but at the end of the day, I feel like he achieves what he's trying to do, despite despite that regardless of content and the content especially. Yeah, you got to get past that, and I love the fact that the reason it's there is because you won't see it anywhere else. That is true. Hey, Alex, guess what? Goodwill. The Goodwill has finally returned. <laughs> yes, it has. I don't even remember four of the movies on this wheel okay i can, I can name one so we've established that you can 
that screen share does not work for you, right? Um, it does. I just also don't care. Oh, okay. I'll I'm not Zach. I don't care. Okay, I see. <laughs> I trust the whims of the wheel, man. We just did. We just, like the whiplash of Maltese to Freddy is crazy. That's in that is true. We just watched the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> Ooh, that felt like ages ago after seeing Freddy got fingered. It really does. I went okay. deep dive into this movie, dude. I went deep dive into Tom Green. Like I really I watched it and I was like, how did this happen? And then I went and looked into it and I'm like, oh, okay, got it. And then I looked into it even more. I was like, oh yeah, no, Tom Green is just he's just the weirdest motherfucker. Okay, so on the good wheel is as follows. Looper. Ah, uh, okay. Clueless. Yeah. Road to Perdition. Zach. That was a Zach one. The Fifth Element. I think that was me. Yep. Hardcore Henry. That was definitely me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Heat. That was you. No, that was you. I put heat on... Will. You know why? Because you were like, uh, you were watching The Dark Knight, and you were like, I heard that that heat inspired The Dark Knight, so let's do heat. And I was like, yes! Oh. Alright. Troll Hunter. That was Zach. That was Zach. Uh, Independence Day, that was me. That was you. Um, Labyrinth. No, I'm pretty sure that was you. You recently posted on Facebook, what? Independence Day is one of the greatest blockbuster films ever made. Period. Um. Yeah, it makes me. Th- it's certainly in the in the top fifty. Like, just. Anyway, um, it's we'll get more into it. Yeah, it's it's. Loud. Have you seen Have you seen Stargate yet? Um the the movie. Yeah. Oh, years ago. Oh, that's a good curiosity wheel. That's a yeah. great curiosity wheel. So I think you would lo- really enjoy Stargate. Um, Gangs of New York. Okay, that was definitely you. That was definitely me. Wait, was Labyrinth you? No, I think that was Zach. Okay. Paprika, that was Zach. That was Zach. Uh, Night of the Hunter, that was you. That was me. Uh, the Rock, that was me. Yeah, it's, The Rock is great. I'm in the mood for a, a movie like The Rock. Um, Argo, I think that was me. That was totally you. And Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I think that was you. That was totally me. All right. <clears throat> this is a who's who of gold here. That's some good stuff. That's a question. So, wait, what's your suggestion? Oh, yeah, we got to suggest. Shoot. Okay, let me take it. Let me turn around here. Wait a minute. Marty. There's only one animated film on here. After we had, like, four. <laughs> yeah, we. I guess we barreled through them. Let's bring it back. I'm going to go with the only 
The one of only two Wes Anderson films I've seen. <gasps> wow. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay, interesting. All right. I love that movie. I really I wanna do. Bring some, I want to bring some animated movies back, and that's really a forgotten gem, I think, because it, it was nominated, but who did it lose to? I don't remember, but uh, I think it. Lo- I think it also lost to Rango from that year. One of my one of my favorite fall movies. Such a good fall movie. Mm. Oh, it definitely is. Beautiful one. Uh, not not my favorite Wes Anderson, but certainly one of his best and one of my favorites. Top three, I would think. Uh, all right. Uh, so I have some questions to run. Oh, wait, by. wait, 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 wait. Let's look at the uh, backlog real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to think about that. Hold on. Let, let me look at the backlog and see if I stick with mine. Let me go look at that here. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's okay. Exactly. Good movie backlog. The Aviator. Mm-hmm. Minority Report. Oh, shoot. Oh, I can wait on that. Uh, The First Taken. Uh, There's three now, so I guess we could, we could do it as a series. Uh, uh, but do we want to? If we're going to do the Marine, why not? Okay, fine. That's true. Black Hawk Down. Sometimes it's nice to watch a series just shit the bad. Like Die Hard. Um, uh, Black Hawk Down, yeah, I remember that. Uh, the Social Network. That was mine. Yeah, um, the Black, Black Hawk Down to me is like a... It would be a curiosity wheel for me because I haven't seen it in forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is also a good movie, so it does fit this wheel. Um, Social Network is amazing. It's amazing. Bumblebee to uh, complete the Transformers uh, movies. Seen it. I've still never seen it. I feel like that's a curiosity for me. And <laughs> and uh, another Wes Anderson movie, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest. Yeah, dude, that might be his best as of right now. Um, I still also think Rushmore and Tenenbaums are good ones, too. Um... Any of those strike your fancy? Trying to put... I know I put Minority Report on here. I put Bumblebee on, too. Bumblebee's so much fun, even though it's E.T. Um... I mean, it is. Um, Willers. Wait a minute. I'm going with E.T. E.T. There's not enough enough Spielberg on here. So uh, (laughs) we've done so much Spielberg already. Uh, Wait a minute. What have we done? I know we did Seven Private Ryan. Did Jurassic Park and Lost World. Oh, that's right. That's three. Uh, I know Never mind. Another. Okay, God. I know we've done another one. But uh, so I was thinking like, I was like, how's Schindler's List? And I'm like, not Schindler's List yet. However, have you ever seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I have not. Okay, so since you haven't, and I haven't seen it in a long time, I guess that's a curiosity build choice. Okay. For us. I would put that on the Curiosity Wheel back catalog. But um, E.T. you have seen, I'm assuming. Yes. How recently have you seen it? Uh, It's been a few years. Okay, so... I'm talking like two or three. 
Like before the family video, buy my house closed. Okay, so this is your choice then. You, I can tell you right now, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a good movie. <laughs> it's a, it's in some regard a masterpiece. Do you want to put that on there, um, regardless of whether you've seen it or not? I have seen it. I've seen it certainly recently enough that I could say I've seen it enough. Because there are on, because there are options on the Curiosity Wheel that you guys have seen that I have not. Yes, that's true. I've like, said, seen like multiple yeah. times. I just think like. I've seen E.T. and it's great and I've seen it recently and I would love to see it again but the one I think that would be interesting to talk about more I think would be Close Encounters so giving an opportunity for it more over E.T. is kind of what I'm going for because I haven't seen it I, I can't tell you that plot well enough but I know how it made me feel that movie is a, an amazing like looking movie uh, uh... So it's, your, it's your choice, but like we could totally put it on the curiosity wheel. I think it fits on there too for sure. But like, I might see. So you know what? I might go back to Fantastic Mr. Fox because I'm I'm starting to feel it again. Okay, so let me give you my choices, and maybe it'll help you form one too. Okay. So here here are a couple questions I have for you. All right. Have you ever seen Titanic? Only the latter half. Have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting? Only bits and pieces, from the from like the stuff when when uh, Robert Williams passed away, they played a bunch of clips from it. Oh, this is so difficult. All right. Um, oh man, first of all, I really think I think you have to be a heartless inside to not enjoy Titanic beginning to end. I think Titanic beginning to end is one of the best. I think it's a, I think it's a classic. I think it goes up there with like Gold Rush and Jaws and Jurassic Park and Avengers. It's a it's a bona fide. This will make you feel good. Um, dang, but good one. Uh, will it though? What Titanic? Yeah. The the experience of watching the movie and not necessarily the ending, regardless of what you know about the ending. I'm assuming you know the ending. I what I said. I watched the latter half. Okay, so. Yes. Okay, then I, yes, I honestly think the experience beginning to end is what does it. Because, like, the latter half is a great action movie, sure, but, like, what makes all of that matter is you care about Jack and Rose. And honestly, the more I watch that movie, the more I'm like, wow, they make Jack and Rose work so well that when that second half comes, you care about them, and only them, really. So why the entire world is falling apart around them, you just want them to survive. And it works. It's amazing. Um, I think beginning to end, it's a perfect movie. Uh, however, though, you don't seem to be really psyched about that. Mm, uh... But I think it's the movie. I think it's the movie that can convince people that romances are interesting. No, but it's like I seem to be one of those uh, cowards that only likes romances that end well. Okay. Okay. Do I think that there is merit to that and only wanting to see that? Absolutely. It's why women flock to Hallmark movies. But I will say, as you go through life, you appreciate the tragedies more. All right. All right. Because All right. Either, here's the thing. 
I've been through enough relationships where like just walking away and going, you know what? I'm so glad I met that person. Like things didn't work out, but I'm so glad I know that person because that person will be there like at my funeral. That person will say things for me and I will do the same for them. The relationship isn't what it was, but I'm so, so fucking glad I met that person. That is what those movies posit. That just because it doesn't work out doesn't mean the fact that they entered your life is any less important. So I think the best movies really do point that out. Um, but we'll get to that. And I think, again, that Titanic is the movie that really posits that idea. It's not like I want to get you into Leonardo DiCaprio's Romeo and Juliet. Although I think that movie's <laughs> I think that's a curiosity wheel, to be honest, because it's as insane as it is basically Romeo and Juliet. But I was, it's like... I, again, that's why, about, that's why I put About Time on there. About Time, is it starts out as a romance, and then it just basically gives you the happy ending halfway through and then becomes something else entirely different. That's wonderful, and that's why I love it. Because I, want, I don't necessarily care that much about... I've seen so many romantic comedies that I, it's not about that journey anymore for me. It's, sometimes it's about what happens when the happy ending happens. And like I love movies that take to that, that point. But if, if you were looking for something like that, there are certainly movies that I would put in the list that convince you. A big one I've been thinking about is When Harry Met Sally. I only know that one iconic scene. Of course, everyone does. Everybody knows. Yeah. Um, the okay. scene where um, uh, she jerks off an elephant in a diner and then a woman says, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Just brace it all over Billy Crystal. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'm so proud. Proud. I'm proud. proud. And then they're stuck uh, in Pakistan for a year. I, I, I think When Harry Met Sally is one of the most entertaining uh, and heartwarming com- uh, romantic comedies. I think it's the best, if not like one of the top three, top five romantic comedies that's ever existed. It's charming as hell. Mm. I do want to get some romance in your life, but that's not, but like, I just think Titan, I, I just started it the other day and well. I'm like, Perfect. If you but, know someone. <laughs> uh, um, I hey, dude, I'm still looking at myself, man. It's a big world out there. Just like, got to be open to it. Uh, you got to be open to fail. Uh, <laughs> trust me, and I failed a lot. But you know, you know for sure. I'm a failure, but at the same time, I'm still, I've still had some successes. And those successes are I was joking. Dude, I wasn't. Chris, okay, and then the other one, of course. The other one, of course. That's that's something you say during a date, right? Oh my god, dude! My two favorite moments, seriously, is when like he's he comes up to her and she's building the wheelchair rocket, and and he gives her crap because she's like. You got to take chances. And he's like, no, I'm stupid. And you're stupid. And she's like, come on, Gordy. And she's like, Gord, Gordy. I was like, that's amazing. And then when he, and then when later he comes and asks for forgiveness and gives her jewels and she's like, you're crying. And he's like, no, I got to go. I got to go. And I love that. I, that's, I want to use that every day in my life. <laughs> so, so funny. It's so fantastic. I love it. Uh, anyway, um, Goodwill Hunting. What do you know about that movie? What's your what's your what's your frame of that movie? Matt Damon and uh, Robin Williams kick ass on uh, on screen. 
That's about as much as I know. All right, so I I really though I saw Patch Adams to know that Robert Williams is a killer actor was oh, in peace. Wow, what an what an entrance dude! There's so many movies, there's so many killer Robin Williams movies. I can I'm. I'm at a loss, man. When, when he left, it was one of the hardest celebrity deaths ever. Like, I don't really usually care about them. I'm usually the first person who has, like, a tongue-in-cheek view on it. Just because that's how I view death in general. But, like, that day, man, I, I, instead of watching his movies, I went home and I watched five stand-up specials that I could find of his. And I did them all out of, like, chronological order of his life. And just, it, 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 it broke me. It really did, but I like Awakenings, World According to Garp, The Birdcage, God, this is Doubtfire, just toys, countless toys, <laughs> Jumanji, oh God, oh, Jumanji, um, oh God, uh, Best Father in the World, but uh, like I, Man of the Year, Goodwill Hunting is by far the best performance he's ever had, bar none, um. The film has such a rich, interesting history behind it in terms of how it got to where it was and all the pieces that came together about it. It also has a really tragic history being connected to uh, Weinstein and the guy who composed most of the music. Um, it's also just phenomenal. It's a phenomenal movie on every account, sure. But a- on a lot of things, it's also about men. Um, and doing men things and stuff like that. So it's a very man-heavy movie. However, it also is driven by romance, baby. So <laughs> I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I'm going to save Titanic for the day where you say, I want to watch Titanic. Because I guarantee you one day you're going to be like it. You're going to be in it too. So maybe you'll beat me to the punch. Um, good Will Hunting is a... It's so good. And I think, honestly, we'll hopefully get to it by the time that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck put out another screenplay and movie together at the end of this year. Um, so I'm going to go Good Will Hunting because I think you're really going to enjoy everything about this movie, including the romance. Boom. All right. I'm going to stick with um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. So we'll flip wow. a coin. This is the first time I really wish it was mine. Like Both movies are really good, but I really would love to see I really want to see your reaction to Good Will Hunting. And they're also, they're both great fall movies. Wonderful right. fall movies. Okay. You call it. Heads or tails? Uh, heads. It's heads. Good Will Hunting it is. Yay! Now show me the video. <laughs> show me the fucking video. <laughs> uh, Yes, Good Will Hunting. Man, as I was saying it out loud, I was like, you know what? Good Will Hunting is the best choice. You are going to love this movie. You are going to love this movie. Okay, putting uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox on the backlog. I'm going to be interested what your next um, Wes Anderson movie will be. Honestly, there's so many choices and so many opportunities. All right. I got it. I gotta flip to see which wheel I pick because either one of these is gonna be <laughs> is like a journey. I think I'm gonna go for my phone here. Wait, so we don't know what what wheel we're doing next time? 
Uh, no, 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 no. Um, I made one. I made. I remade the uh, the current uh, good wheel on the desktop, and I have the wheel on my phone. So I have two of the same wheel, but they spin differently. Huh. And I don't know which one I should spin. I feel because like we spun the, the we spun the desktop one, and it got us. Freddy got fingered. Oh. I think that was a success. <laughs> I want to go with my phone because you trust me. I got two wheels that I'm spinning. One spins the other one. It's a world of wheels. Okay, I'm going to do another tangent real quick. So I'm playing this game. <laughs> so I was playing this game. That just, that line reminded me. I'm playing this. So I was playing this game called um, Hydrophobia Prophecy. Just this weird abstract game. It's like Die Hard in the future, but cut in half. Um, like at the waist, everyone buy, everyone doesn't have legs. No, no, okay. it's basically no. It's Die Hard boat. Got it. And it's just, and it's just like completely neutered compared to uh, Die Hard. So. Like, there's a ton of, like, things missing and, thing, like, they start threads and then they just, like, never never brought up again. You fight the final boss and then you pass out whilst you have mutant powers that lets you control water and you're like, wait, what? It's just a bizarre game that I'm, like, oddly infatuated with, but just how it just leaves a lot of things on the table just in such a weird way. Anyway, there's a line. That the tech guy that talks to you through the communications is like, okay, so there's a bad guy around the corner, right? Yeah. And they don't see, and you don't see it coming. He just appears, and then the character Kate, she's like, "Dang, Scoot, you, his name's Scoot." <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, you could have warned me. Scoot then replies. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Scoot then replies, Kate, I got two balls and neither of them are crystal. <laughs> oh my god. That's the kind of line where the person wrote it and just like got up and they're like, you know what? I just earned a soda. that's the kind of line that's the kind of line i dream of coming up with (laughs) (laughs) like that's history (laughs) it's wasted on a five dollar game i got on steam all right (laughs) isn't it amazing though when you find something that's like that it's just so like out there but you find like one like kernel of like creativity in there where you're like if that wasn't something great i would oh god it this 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 is undeserving of this joke yes yeah okay i do that all the movies so to repeat the uh the goodwill before we spin looper clueless road to perdition the fifth element hardcore henry heat troll hunter independence day labyrinth gangs of new york paprika that should go on the curiosity wheel. Night, Hunt, Night of the Hunter, um, The Rock, Argo, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh my god, there's so many choices. There's like four that I'm going for. 
Thomas really wants me to spin this wheel, so I'm going to spin it. Well, you tell Tom that I didn't love this movie. All right. Here we go. Oh, my God. Sounds like a fart. Sounds like a zipper. Sounds like a zipper to me. Good old-fashioned zip error. Reading Chris's reaction. All right. <laughs> we go. Ladies and gentlemen, on the, the next movie of the Meister Movie Podcast. Oh, man, I'm so stoked. I can't react because it's 2 a.m. We go from one hyper-violent, gross movie to another. Ladies and gentlemen, the next movie we are reviewing on the Meister Movie Podcast is Hardcore Henry. Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. Yes. I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad we're getting rid of it. This is this is an original. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh man. my god. Okay. All right. Dude, it was close to getting. We were we were close to getting heat. Yeah, I kind of wish we'd have gotten heat. Um. <laughs> this know, wheel has not been nice to you. <laughs> um. It, it it hasn't, but it only clears spots for good movies. So it only it only means that the future is brighter. Um, but I, I always I, it always ends up being more of a curiosity wheel for me. We are like I, I just don't know how much we're going to be able to talk about this movie. I guess maybe you might have more to say about it than me. Oh yeah, for for me this is like like when I first saw I was like when I first uh, saw a trailer I'm like. How is nobody talking about this more? <laughs> like, am I the only one here? So, my other shooter Dude, friends, they're just like... Driver. Say what now? This was your baby driver. This was my baby driver. I'm like, how is nobody else talking about this? Yep. This looks great. So, all my other uh, first-person shooter friends were just like, what the heck is this? I was like... Are you kidding me? So I saw it by myself at Willow Creek, one of the first movies I watched for free there while I worked there. And actually, it was the first one, the very first one. And I was in the theater all by myself. I'm like, are you kidding me? How is how are not how are people not watching this? And I watched it and I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> all right okay maybe your passion will infect me and just like i was just blown away that it was filmed entirely in the first person and it looked cohesive it looked kind of okay to me except for some of the parts where he was running but i gave it grace because that's the kind of <laughs> like that's what happens with the gopro um, and plus, there are tons of other shaky cam- movies with shaky cam that are far worse. Um, yeah, you like those Bourne movies. Yeah, those Bourne movies. Um, Thomas seems to be happy about it. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, I do like this movie. And I was excited when it came out. I was excited to see it. Um, I don't... I remember the ending. And I remember what the plot is. Um, don't remember. Come on, Thomas. What do you gotta say? 
What do you got? What do you got to say, Thomas? What do you got to say, my clown? I don't think you want to mute. I don't think saying anything. He's just like scratching and clawing at me. You hear me, Thomas? Thomas, stop scratching him. Stop clawing him. Nope. He actually just got off. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Anyway, um, (laughs) cat, a great cat. I love you. We'll talk. But chef of the little box. So, he's got a future. Yeah. Also, also like, um, I'm sad there's no sequel. Isla Nyshuler is, uh, by all accounts, a pretty fun guy. Like, oh man. He, and he's still doing stuff. He did a uh, music video for The Weeknd. Uh, it's called False Alarm. And it's basically just like a bank robbery, I think it was. Yeah. And it was actually pretty. Fu- it was actually pretty fun to watch. Um, actually, was kind of like a. No wait, Am I remembering that movie wrong? It was. I want to say it was like Reservoir Dogs, but Hardcore Henry. <laughs> like um, a heist gone wrong. Yeah, heist. Pretty much a heist gone wrong. So, yeah, it's just like technic, like, like it just, I don't know why, but it's just, it's just, it's crazy plot, it's bonkers violence, and just the fact that it's filmed entirely in the first person just blew me away. And it, this movie sticks with me, honestly. Man, I'm so excited. I am so happy we got Hardcore Henry. I could watch this movie all day. Oh, man. Well, um... We were gushing about this at school when it came out, too. <laughs> sounds like this is going to be an, all of, uh, an effort you get to bring me to the party. This sounds like you're going to have to talk some sense to me. Because if I watch it and I'm like, not not all about it, you're, you're the one that's going to have to talk me into it. And I think you will. I think you got it in you. Like like um, Transformers, The Revenge of the Fallen, where I was like, guys, this movie's great. It's so funny. You guys were like, this movie's a disaster on every level conceivable. It's like, I was going to say more like um, Maltese, where like you were, <laughs> I'm like, this is a good movie. And you're like, I don't get it. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> Dude, bro, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I just I don't, don't get it. it. <laughs> I don't get it, bruh. I've been thinking, like, wrapping my head around it, and, like, my head cannot get around it. Like, it's an idea, so I can't, like, wrap my head physically around it. So, like, what do I do? <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm going to go surf. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to get inside the animals. I'm going to get, I'm going to get inside the, oh my God. Dude, I <laughs> liked it. I liked it. I really did. I thought it was good. Oh, man. I liked like, it too, but for different reasons. <laughs> Sure, Amelia Clark was like, I hated this movie. So like, dang man, like I don't want it to I don't want it to be a litmus test for people Wait, in my Amelia life. Clark? Yeah, I think it was her. I like they put it in the trivia for IMDB and it's like, yeah, like I can see some people just like who are in the industry who like see this sort of stuff and just like are still like, I hate it. I don't get it. So like this <laughs> thing, like absurdist humor is like really hard to understand. You gotta be just like open to the idea of stupidity. Just open to it. And there's so many people in my life that are so frustrated by stupidity that they just can't take it. And it's so, like, it's so hard. And plus, it's all, like, male-oriented. So 
I get it, but also we I was actually like don't get nobody gets suspicious here because this is not true. <laughs> I was thinking, what if we went from Freddy got fingered to hardcore Henry? And I was thinking, these movies aren't that dissimilar. How? What? Because, like, okay. <sighs> I think Hardcore Henry is a better movie. Oh, obviously. But, <laughs> like, they're both crazy. They both tell us, like, they both tell a simple story. And they're both, abs- like, almost absurdly violent. And, but Hardcore Henry is just more, like, I guess entertaining, whereas it's Harker Henry's entertaining where Freddy got fingered is gross. And <laughs> gross, like they're both two different entertaining, but one's more like I don't know what the word there. I, what, the it, one was, it was it was it was a two a.m. thought. Okay, I I think. I, I think uh, F- Freddy Got Fingered is meant to find its audience by, <clears throat> by getting rid of the other half of the audience. By basically <laughs> making – it's basically walking into the room and having two people and one other person being like, you're gross and disgusting, and the other person being like, I dig it. So, like, you have to dis- you have to disgust half your audience to get to the other half. Like, he, that's what he was doing with his movie. Harker Henry, I think, is trying to grab as many people – as possible into its movie, but I also think it understands who its audience is. Its audience is people who enjoy first-person shooters and video games and is excited by the possibility of a story that can carry that visual medium beginning to end. And also the stunts are awesome. So I... I, He crushed a man... He crushed a man's balls with his bare hands. No, with his robot hands, sorry. And... Then stuck a nightstick right down his throat. <laughs> That's great. Um, yes, it's incredibly violent. That's the other thing. Um, Two million dollar budget, and that's what they managed to do. Well, it's a lot of it is stunts. That's the other thing. It's go that's for stunts. awesome. Uh, it's certainly impressive. Um, and so yeah, I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm coming to this like leery, but I'm probably going to walk in and be like, yeah, it's amazing. But no, like I honestly think that Freddie got fingered is trying to find a small group of people and Harker Henry is really trying to entertain everyone, but it knows who its main core audience is. And, uh, it's still split down the middle. 51% are rotten tomatoes. <clears throat> uh, that's interesting. Cause that's eventually what happened to us. Freddie got fingered, but on the low end. <laughs> yeah, on the low end. Super low end. All right. Wait, wait, so, wait. I can ask you something before we go and try okay. to get it on record because it would be awesome. Uh, have you heard of Guns Akimbo? Why does that sound familiar? Do you, could you, do you have time? Do you want to go to YouTube real quick on, on, rec, on episode and watch this trailer? Oh, God. Uh, entertain people. Because I think if you like Harker Henry, I think you might enjoy this idea 
the stupidity of it at least seems like it'll entertain you. Hold on, let me. I don't want to explain tabs here. Ben's Akimbo. Uh, I've seen this trailer. Sweet. Never mind then. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, this reminds me a little bit of Hardcore Henry. A little this bit of Hardcore Henry. Looks absolutely bonkers. Maybe Daniel Radcliffe's, like, most over the top role since Swiss Army Man. He has a lot of over the top roles. He is just. He's having so much fun since since Harry Potter. He has just gone out there. He's like Elijah Wood. He has all the money in the world, so now he's like, I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. And that must be great to watch. I mean, I want to see his show Miracle Workers. I haven't sat down and watched it. Apparently season two is going on right now. I forgot he had a show. So yeah, there you go, everybody. I find it. Yeah, I think I think uh uh wow. All right. Yeah, okay. So I think I found, I think I found the movie somewhere. Okay. So <clears throat> I have to rent it let's just follow the path here real quick. We went from The Rise of Skywalker to the entire Die Hard saga. Was that before or after? After. Huh. After Rise of Skywalker. Damn. Isn't that many weeks? Yeah. Huh. Feels like an eternity, yeah, right? On Christmas, we did, yeah, Die Hard on Christmas. So, and then after that, we went to Maltese Falcon. We went from A Good Day to Die Hard to The Maltese Falcon. Yeah. To Freddy Cut Fingered. Wasn't surprised. And now Hardcore Henry. A solid action movie that needs to remind me why I love action so much. And you know what I think it will. Mm. Action movies got me into movies in the first place. I'm guessing the wheels have decided that giving you Die Hard has... Like, we need to, like, offset a bunch of things so, like, all of your picks aren't going to get picked. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. I, I feel like it's it's trimming some fat. I mean, yeah. Freddy Got Fingers is a recent arrival. I think the wheel was just like, these guys got to see this shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Freddy Got Fingers is out of nowhere. But I got not only did, because I didn't pick Maltese Falcon, Zach did. But I do, I do love that movie. So to get like Die Hard and the Maltese Falcon and such like, because it wasn't just Die Hard, it was Die Hard and Die Hard with a Vengeance at the very least. Because um, I did enjoy two and four a little bit more. Uh, so the whole series, yeah, was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't know. Just like I was, <laughs> I, I think like Hardcore Henry to me is not a bad movie. I want to find stuff to talk about it next week. I just got to do some research on what they pulled off because, like, I'm going to be impressed when I watch it again. I know I oh, will. Oh, same here. But the story is so very – I know it so well in my head, so specifically, and you don't really know much about Henry as a person or anything else outside of what the plot is. And what Eli, what um, Tim Roth tells you. 
It's very, well, yeah, it's very self-contained. Well, even just yes. like the ending. The moment you know the ending, you're like, okay, I know the plot and the ending. Got it. I know the story. Um, and when you were reading the list of good movies, and I was thinking of Good Will Hunting, I, they were just such good stories. And, like, I was just thinking of how we could get a good story. And that uh, Hardcore Henry is all about a visceral experience and how they pull it off. And I know that as I watch it throughout the week, because I know I'm going to watch this more than once, that I'm going to have a lot to bring to the table and just like how much of a visceral experience it is. Um, so that's all. Like, you son of a... Oh my gosh. Just kidding. <laughs> I coughed. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I, I was thinking we would get a really good story and instead we got something else that's just as good and I just need to be... Uh, In a different way. <laughs> it's like for it, man. I, I agree. I, but you seem to be really psyched, so... I am I'm actually happy. rather jazzed. I have the um, and we're and we're trimming the fat of originals. Like we're we're getting rid of the original ones off the wheel, which is cool. Yeah. Like we don't. We're, I want more of those gone. What, Thomas? You want more? You just want to watch it now, Thomas? Come on, Thomas. Let's just watch it now. By the way, by the way, Chris, like, uh, like, don't turn, don't look for it yet. And if you if you have a way to watch it for free, already cool. Harper Henry. I found a way to watch it already. Uh, no, I, I own the Blu-ray. <laughs> Okie dokie, cow pokey. I was like, did I do I own the steel box? Like, no, that's Saver Private Ryan. No, that was something else. I have <clears> like <throat> like a small oh the Goodwill Hunting oh dude I can't believe I never thought about that before dude you're gonna love that. Okay. All right, guys. Hardcore. Nice. So, okay. From one bonkers movie to another. So, uh, there you go. One, one increasingly, we're going from one violent movie to another, honestly. Yeah. And what, like, we're going to enjoy the violence in one, and we're going to, like, I'm still haunted by some of the violence of the other one. <laughs> We get, um, we do get to see, uh, 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 oh, shoot, why is his name, why am I blanking on his name? Um, the guy, no, 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 the guy who, uh, plays the handicap guy. Shoot, yeah. what's his name? What? Oh, and Hardcore Henry. Hardcore oh, Henry. You're talking about the the guy who's with him throughout the movie? Yeah. What was Charlton the... Copley? The, the District Charlton, 9 guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlton yeah, Copley. The A-team dude. The A-team guy. How did I forget his name? He's an A-team. Um, well, because we haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. Not like we know him personally, but like, what's he doing these days? I, you know what? One last thing before we go. Let's look up Charlotte Copley. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, let's look him up. He's like, hey, going. I'll just chill out in my house. You know, do my thing. South Africa. I know it sounds like New Zealand, but don't worry. All right, IDB, IMDB, yeah. I know he had a. I know he had a string of bombs for a while. 
didn't work out for him like old boy and stuff. Okay, let me see if any of the okay. So I'm going to oh he was he played Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. All right, so he was in so after Hardcore Henry. Uh huh. He was in a movie. He was in something called The Hollers. Don't know it. Maybe it's a horror. Let me uh take a look here. It is a oh Charlie Days Charlie Days in it, so it must be a comedy. Oh yeah, never heard of it. it. Looks like a lighthearted comedy about some kind of ailment. Anyway, <laughs> who holler? He was oh yeah, he was in a Rooster Teeth commercial. Um, as Jimmy, um, but in the context of in the context of Rooster Teeth, um. He was in a television show called Powers. I'd heard of this. Um, Movie called Free Fire. Yes. Yes, I want to see that for sure. A lot of people in that. It's basically a movie set around a one shootout. Um, A short film called God Serengeti. Don't know. Movie called Gringo. Yes, I saw that. It's good. Short, uh, another short film called God City. Uh, God colon City. Don't know him. Uh, he's in... Okay, now we're going into his upcoming stuff. He is in a movie that is called The Last Days of American Crime, which is in post-production right now. Don't know him. Uh, another movie called Ted K. That's in post-production. Don't know it. And he is filming right now a movie called Seal Team. Don't know it. So he's working. Good. Good to know. Good to know. All his IMDb photos, like the first like six that pop up, is from um, Elysium, Hardcore Henry, and District 9. Those are his biggest ones. It's not like they're going to put Chappie up there. Chappie's a wreck. Mm. Should that and go on the bad wheel? You can't spoil... Oh, God, no. No, how dare you? How dare you, Chris? <laughs> put me through that again. You said it was a wreck. It is, but not a fun wreck. Sometimes you see a wreck and you're like, oh, that person's dead. <laughs> Can you That's hear him, tough. Thomas? He's looking at the microphone uh-huh. just like... Uh-huh. Isn't he so crazy, Thomas? Isn't he just the craziest, you good boy? What a good boy. He's looking uh, at something. I don't know what he's looking at. He's looking at me across the universe. He knows nice. he's looking at me. Wherever I am at, he knows it. He's looking directly at me. So why is he uh, looking so why is he looking down? Because I'm in hell, baby. Thinking about thought... this cat. You know what? I, need to be there with I always knew I always knew this floor was hollow. Well, I was getting sick of the tree in the winter. Oh, there you go. Oh, my um, gosh. Gosh, I'm going to say this right now, and you're not going to know what it means, but... Parasite. Parasite. <laughs> I'm explaining myself. Not explaining myself. Hmm. All right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> We're getting crazy. Hardcore Henry it is. Hardcore Henry. So, and then uh, what, we, 
we're going to do next after that? Uh, we'll just go back to the pattern that we went to. Curiosity, bad, and then good. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's right. Some good ones on that curiosity. Um, so, um, unless I feel like that might change. I might just feel like doing the bad wheel again. You... hey what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong alex you don't want to do you you don't want to (laughs) hold on what's on there again man we've got some good movies man let's watch some good movies (laughs) you don't oh stupid ad ow thomas geez that's a long nail holy cow wait alex you don't you don't want to watch you don't want to watch The Last Airbender or Howard the Duck or The Cat in the Hat? Of course I want to watch them. And of course the wheel's an excuse for me to watch my favorite films. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some, Okay, dude. Like, we watched... Die Hard was a great series, but it was a great series of action films. And Maltese Falcon was like... It was smart and it was sniffing dialogue, but like, it was oldie. So like... I want to get. I would love a heat. I'd love a Gangs in New York. I want something with some meat that we can chew on. I want an epic movie. I want like. I want something with some meat on its bones. Well, all right then. The Curiosity Wheel next week. Oh man, we do Titan AE or Wanted or Spaceballs or. Why is the Maltese Falcon still on there? Gosh dang it! I edited you. Darn it. What was it? What did we replace it with? Now I got to go back and listen. Uh... Uh, great, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it All right. And you gotta post it too, so nice Yeah, and I gotta post it too And you gotta post this one And I have to post the last Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen to those And we gotta record next week And we gotta watch the film And Anyway Alright, that's our show everybody So next week, Hardcore Henry So, uh, there you go Guys, if you have dreams where you I don't know Jerk off a horse or an elephant Or your girlfriend in a wheelchair with a bamboo stick while she begs to suck your cock uh you can do it too and maybe people will like wait a few years years um talk about it sort of positive light don't forget about uh dressing up as a um dressing in a deer's corpse and um Tugging your best friend's compound fracture? Yeah, I remember. And wearing scuba gear in the shower while dipping your (laughs) soap on a rope. Well, that's just playful. That's just shenanigans right there. (laughs) I forgot. I I remember that shower a bit, but I completely forgot about the the soap on a rope. Dude, he threw his kid through the shower door. (laughs) That's what I remember. Like, he's just, yeah, he's in a scuba gear in the shower and he's being a weirdo. Sure. Does that mean you grab him and you just, like, yank him through the door and, like, just reel him to the ground? No wonder he's acting so weird. He's got a concussion. All right. That's our show, everyone. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Alex. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 <laughs>
<laughs> I haven't stopped recording yet. I'm still on the line. That's so hard. How could you? I am going to. I got an outro this time. I got an outro this time. Okay. So today, while I was at work, I got Tom Green's name mixed up with another name, and it just came up, just came to me that I have a great idea for an ending. Okay. Hashtag release the Neil Breen cut.